That was like a soccer thing I just did there. I see. Yeah, that was pretty good. You just heard some great fucking music. Yeah, Godfather of Soul, James Brown, doing one of his only two soundtracks. The other did, one... Does that uh, mean he did the whole thing? Yes, he did the whole thing. Whole thing. Mike, if you're listening, have you been watching Black Caesar? Your man, James Brown. Yeah. All over the place in here. That, that song we opened with was great. Yeah. Uh, Ice-T sampled that and uh, for the song You Played Yourself. For the song you oh you're saying the song's called you played yourself Ice T's song is called you played Ice T's song the you, song we we opened was called the boss right you're not yeah. saying I played myself no you didn't play yourself I didn't well play myself. I don't know maybe you need to listen to that song maybe is that a it. diss you've used before I know you like you got face or wait you've lost face but what was a Murray diss that you like to throw I, around I don't have I'm. I, I don't. I don't have prepared shit. I mean, if you ever listen to the show, you know I don't prepare at all. I don't like. Right. I don't right. like prepared lines. It, nothing, it irritate me. Nothing ever stuck to you in your youth, where you. We know you're the king of the court, which is why you're so bothered that I came around and I was Hoops Hagman coming in hot with my basketball skills, my fading oh. J. You were like, "What the fuck is this?" You're Please. graceful, like a beautiful lotus floating in the Please. wind, and you just can't. But you had to I, be... I, I let my play speak for itself. I don't need to talk shit. Oh my God. You're like Calvin Johnson, strong, silent type. Yeah. You just got I'm out like there. I'm like Barry Sanders. I just score the touchdown, hand the ball to the ref, and walk off the field. Act like I could do it whenever I wanted to. I didn't need to crow. What, I'm not Odell. What was your game in basketball? Like, were you the blocker? Were you the stealer? Or You were just the scorer. Was, and I was a trick shot. I could hit crazy. The trick shot? I could hit crazy trick shots on people. No way. And if they talk shit, I would I'd do a th- fucking skyhook from the three-point line. <laughs> I could fuck shit up Whoa. back in the day. All right, everybody. I'm not promising it, but I'm promising it. We're going to get some video. We're going to get we're gonna out no, there. No, not because I hurt my back like 20 years ago. I can't do anything. I would love to still be able to play basketball. Excuse me? You you had a fight with Bane and he broke your back? 
I've had back issues for like 20 years. Oh. I got a herniated disc in my fucking back. I can't do any kind of running or jumping. Okay, new pitch. We're going to do your coming back story. Tim Murray coming Whoa. back to the court. You can... It's going to be like Stella got her groove back. Murray got his groove back. You know who's got his groove back? Fred Williamson. Griff, how you feeling? How do you feel about Fred in this one? He didn't have a mustache. It's interesting, but you see, I, you know me. I love my contrast. I, I grow the facial hair, and then I'm like, I fucking hate having facial hair now. And I shave it, and I have my mustache for a long time, and then I shave it. I love seeing a good guy with with a mustache, but he's playing a different kind of character this week. And so with him without the mustache and just like the long chops, it worked for me. I was into it. I liked it. There was no part of this where I was like, I'm, bo- I'm a little bothered he doesn't have the mustache. I liked it. I was all for it, Murray. I mean, my look is mainly clean shaven with long side. I don't have sideburns down to my jawline, but yeah, so yeah, I yeah. liked it. And uh, I got to say, well dressed. Like, he's wearing shit I would actually wear. Like, I'm not going to wear some crazy Willie D shit. Willie D, holy But fuck. he was looking pretty sharp. I'm pretty sure if we went downtown to go see, like, a hockey game or something or a basketball game, dressed as Willie D, I think we would get stabbed. We we would deserve it. I think. I think so. Like it, that's just too much. I not. I don't know. I I wouldn't be comfortable wearing a Willie D outfit around. I'm just happy that our Willie D episode inspired some art. Because that's all. All we do. I mean, we do many things, but inspiring is another thing we do. And I'm glad that we can inspire people to create shit instead of destroying shit like people do to Joe Rogan. Oh, <laughs> wait, are we doing this? Are we no, gonna do we're this? not. I, do, okay. I don't care about Joe Rogan one way or the other. I, I can give so few shits about Joe Rogan. Yeah. Oh, okay. Back on track, Fred Nipplesen, uh is all over this movie. You were disturbed because you said you could look into his face, but you couldn't look into his nipples. And it I looked don't... like he had big nipples. Maybe he had hair around his nipples, so it made it like... An optical illusion, but when I saw him shirtless, I was like, man, that guy's got some big nipples. Yeah, let's get to the meat of this matter. Uh, was it just like some too much areola happening? I or think is so, it, yeah. Has, I don't know. I mean, this is an old movie. It was kind of grainy, but. So it could have been some of the trickery of the shot. It could have been the lighting in the room, because I don't mm. remember him fucking in a well-lit room. No. Like. There was a uh, that has a very John DeHart level love scene in this movie. Yeah, I was gonna say I was just gonna say it's very John DeHart because they they used of course the pack jelly to make sure they shined, yeah. and as they were grinding and everything, you were just seeing this light shimmer off them like little diamonds. It was beautiful. Oh. It's like walking a beach, but it was actually just it two people fucking. Made you ignore his horribly large nipples that you saw and I did not see. I wonder if the hammer's ever been sure. Maybe that. Maybe. The, he recognized that he had big nipples, and he's like, I'm never going to be shirtless again because I can't think of another shirtless. We were talking about that just a minute ago. I never remember him without a shirt on, ever. And he's always playing up. Like, he's good. He's in great fucking shape, always. Ex-football yeah, star and everything, yeah. you know? Yeah. Sadly, he's a fucking huge trumper now. Is he? Yeah. Oh, poor Fred. What the fuck, man? Freddy's dead to me. Oh, okay. That was good. I like that. But hey, back back in these times, I can still enjoy some Fred Williamson. Kills it in this role. And this, we were talking about James Ryan a minute ago. They wanted to cast a musician to be the lead. Yeah, Sammy Davis Jr., which would have been the worst casting of all time. Look, I got nothing against Sammy. No. Right? Rap Hacker. But badass, not one thing 
what I, I think when I think Sammy Davis Jr. Right. Commanding people. I think of Satanists a... before I do badass. Yeah. Like, no authority, I can imagine. Like, Look, man. Fret. <laughs> exactly. Cut this shit and give me my money. Like it, it doesn't it doesn't play. When you say look, man, I immediately go to our favorite <laughs> uh, follow up. Lyle Wagner, another great football player. <sighs> um, yeah, it's just I'm glad it didn't happen that way. I'm glad they came to their senses and went like Fred Williamson, get yeah. him on the phone, right? And he fucking killed it. You know, uh, we don't even know how much this movie costs. The rumor is it was, excuse me, thirty five dollars, and you know how much it made? Two million. That's a good return on your investment. Yeah. This came out in the 70s? Yes. So, Murray, I'm going to have to ask you to just dive into a little synapses and tell me what the mathematical is. What? The, yeah, the, the, I need the you to update inflation it today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, two million is, I think, a trillion. A tr- <laughs> I think. I might be off by a couple. Maybe one extra zero in there? Yeah, a few hundred billions is what we're gonna go for. Yeah, this was a, a Larry Cohen movie. Yes, who's known for he's very he's like a gorilla filmmaker type. He did he did the movie we were I was talking to you about on our uh, what was that Dolph Lundgren movie we did Dark Angel Dark Angel the stuff was, oh was yeah the, 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 where they just found shit bubbling out of the ground and said hey this tastes good let's sell it to people and it turned out it was an alien like thing that was yeah over. He did I'm that. pretty sure I watched that one he did uh, It's Alive with our fucking favorite John P. Ryan maybe we'll, we'll do that for uh, October oh that sounds good uh, like yeah that. he's known for doing like really kind of low budget gritty New York shit you can tell he never gets a street permit because especially in this movie you can tell they're just guerrilla filmmaking they're yeah. like fuck it jump out Film a scene, get back in the car, and let's take the fuck off. I love that. I, I wish there was more of that today. And like, but every, everything, it's the same thing that's happening to movies is now happening to video games, where everything is just like a too big, it can't fail type shit, and it sucks because we used to get all kinds of weird movies at the theaters, and I think now yeah. we just get the big. Everything is just a blockbuster now, right? And that that sucks. You want to have some weird shit popping in there, and I don't know. I well, just, I think uh, it's not it's not just that. I think because of streaming, people are just yeah. like, I will only leave the house if it's a big blockbuster. That could be it. Yeah, know? I think it'd be cool if they try to lean into that and do like instead, like when a new Netflix show comes out, like do the first few episodes at the theater or something, so everyone comes together to see it in a big. I think that could be kind of cool. Does that make any sense? It could be, but I don't think it'll happen. People, are, we're just getting lazier as we go on. You know, it's like I'm not, I'm not leaving my house for anything That's unless true. it's a Marvel movie. That gives us more time to sit on Twitter and tell people how they should live their life. Right. That's all I do, and that's, I mean, that's all we do. Yeah. That's what this whole podcast is about is telling you that you've been watching the wrong fucking movies. What are you doing? Unfortunately, or fortunately, we're right. Yeah. So listen up. Well, Murray, uh, I have one piece of uh, stuff. I forgot the word I was going the for stuff. there. Uh, one piece of the stuff that we need to get to before we get into the trailer town. We forgot to announce our good one last week. Uh, one of the good ones? Yeah. I, I'm, we're, we weren't one of the good ones last week. No. Because we left people hanging. I heard from a lot of people. Like, who was one of the good ones? I already announced it on Twitter. But we have a lot of people who don't. I don't know why, but they don't follow us on Twitter. So we're going to do it for you on the show as well. Dude, all the fu- the envelopes I, we get requesting us are whispers. I'm disappointed Ugh. that we kind of just, I don't know. Sometimes we 
we get caught up in shit and we miss shit. We forget shit we want to get to. We didn't really go down the line of the pimps from Willie Dynamite, the conclave of the pimps. Like, there were some great characters. We kind of brushed over them. I right. think we got distracted by Bell's hand gestures. We did. We really did. They were hypnotizing. Even us talking about the gestures hypnotizers right. each other. It was, yeah. like a, it was like a magic spell. You use a magic man. And, of course, I mean, we're never going to allow you guys to see us record here, but me and Murray were doing the gestures yeah. while we were do, you know, talking about them. So we were hypnotizing each other. It was really, right. it was really rough. But one pimp we left out was one of the good ones. I mean, I guess, yeah. His name's Milky Way. He's so good. Didn't say a word. Nope. Didn't need to say a word. Looked right. Very toned down if you compare it to some of the other pimps right. in the room. Beautiful hat. Nice glasses. Yeah. You nice. can see it on Twitter. I put it up the picture. Nice. So another reason to follow me. I at G and G theater. You asked me for like a picture and I was like, here's like forty five pictures. Yeah, it was movie. like he was like the photographer from Willie Dynamite taking yeah. pictures of passion, but it was all fucking. He had, he put every single frame Milky Way was in. He got a picture of. It. Yeah, because that's how much he he's the Boba Fett of the Willie Dynamite world. It's true. in that he's mysterious. He doesn't talk. I wanted more. I wanted the book of Milky Way. The book. <laughs> it also, it sounds sci-fi too. The Milky Way. Yeah, it, it just fits. Fuck Boba Fett. Get him out. Put Milky Way in. So this is CGI one of the, Milky Way into Boba Fett scenes. This is one of the stupidest fucking things that I bet you could get the internet to follow along with if you put <laughs> yeah. it into the Twitterverse and be like, yes. "Hey guys, I was going through Star Wars for the fourth all the time because I'm such a nerd, and I found that there's this weird out of place character." And then you Photoshop <laughs> him in there, and then people are like, "Oh my god, I'm losing my mind!" And then they go back put and they the Nelson cantina. Mandela effect it yeah. into their brain because you say it's only on the VHS <laughs> copy, the one that has hasn't been edited 400 times and then everyone's losing their mind you've yeah. done it you've put it in their brain that milky way was in there and next thing you know in the book of boba fett they go to the <laughs> can van or whatever it's called the can van yeah yeah to have a drink or two and there is our boy milky way shooting a deuce hey somebody who's got those kind of skills do that for us because <laughs> you know it'll work we'll kick you over a, a, a envelope full of whispers you know that's our currency these days <laughs> That's my favorite love song, Envelope Full of Whispers. <laughs> Who sang that one? I think it was George Michael. Oh, I thought it was Frankie Valley. Well, I didn't go back. I don't think it went back that far. Oh, okay. <laughs> Frankie Valley. <laughs> he didn't know who James Brown was before we started recording. He's like, who is this guy? Is this the guy Mike likes? And I'm like, yeah, he's the Godfather of Soul, one of the biggest fucking singers of all time. <laughs> Sex Machine. Yeah, he did uh, uh, Living in Red America. Yes, Living in Red America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's get to this fucking trailer now. We fucked around enough. Just like Julius Caesar, we came, we saw, and we recorded Black Caesar. A king of crime is born. A mob boss who started in the streets. Ready to do anything for a payoff, no matter what it cost.
He became an overlord of the underworld with every trick in the book. You forget, huh? You make fools of your people. You shame them. They kill you. <laughs> you do this to me after I gave you your chance. Who else am I going to do it to, huh? Fred Williamson in the private war of an angry man whose hate was spelled out in the blood of his enemies, his violence in the curses of his women. Now, let's take a look at Hob. You tell me, who's going to control these people? It's a jungle, and it takes a jungle bunny to run it. Black Caesar. Every mob organization in town is out to get him. September 5th, 1953. Oh, yeah. You just talked right over that. They don't know the date now. 53. September 5th, 1953. Day they'll live in infamy. A day I lived at all. Oh, I fucked that up. Who said that? That was Hoover, right? No, it was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. FDR, the good president? Mm-hmm. You know, the one who socialized things and got one four that stole fucking terms? Three elections? Yeah. Four, oh. four, three? Four. That's weird. We probably should never do anything like that again in America. Anyways, Murray, 1953, good year. We're in Harlem. Yeah. Uh, population booming? Yeah, about 13,527. That, how, what is that, how does that compare to today? Where are they at today? Well, today, because of gentrification, it's doubled. It's, it's, oh, and it's, it's all white people now. Yeah. Well, yeah. Bill, thank Bill Clinton for that. He moved into his put his offices into Harlem. Oh, really? Kicked out everybody. Said, you can move down to Brooklyn. They did until the hipsters moved into Brooklyn. They said, you can move to the Bronx. And, then, and now they live on a trash barge, I hear. Yeah. Yeah. Large. Where they belong, because they're human trash. If you yeah. don't make money... You're trash. Well, you know, when Hillary was talking about the deplorables, that's actually what she was referring to. Like, the Trumpists all thought they were talking about them. And it's like, no, it wasn't about you at all. It was about the people they pushed out, they gentrified out of those two, uh, what do they call them, boroughs? Yeah. Onto the trash barge. Yeah. Yeah. That's where they belong. Is trash living on the trash barge? Of course he is. Where do you think he got his name? He was born on a trash barge. Born on the, that's my favorite CCR song. That is a pretty good one. I love I that. hate CCCCCP. CCB, CCR. CCR. But you love that one song. Born on a Trash Bar. Yeah. It's a B-side. Speaking of trash, got a young man, much too light-skinned to play Fred Williamson, but I guess... It works. Not really. Okay. He's like, he sees this, this elderly uh, white gentleman. He mm. says, sir... Would you like a shoe shine? Because this was very popular in the fifties. You didn't. We didn't have. We just had TV. We di- we didn't have the internet. So right. shoe shining was very popular. I'd go out and get my shoe shines all the time pre internet days. Yeah, right. <laughs> Before the internet, everyone. I I posted this out the other Maybe day. Maybe we need to bring that. That's another hipster thing. Let's bring that back. Shoe shining. Uh, I did get my boot shined once. 
I went to a cobbler and got my boots uh, re While you were wearing them? No. Well, then you're not getting the true experience. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I told the story about, this was like in the 80s? Yeah, 80s. My friend who, it was a front. It was a shoeshine place. I'm using air quotes. It was a front for uh, running numbers. My friend was like, oh. he collected the money. I think I told it on a, probably another Black Exploitation okay. History Month. And uh, yeah, that was their front was shoeshine place. No shit. Very suspicious. Not suspicious at all. There is a place. All right. So uh, we know about my lovely lady, and she lives down Eight Mile, and there is just a shop called Magic. It's white, bars in the windows. It's in a shopping complex. Just called Magic. Uh-huh. You can't see anything going on in there. It's open all hours of the night. I'm never going to look it up. One day I just have to go there. I need to know what Magic is. Why hasn't she been there? Huh? Why hasn't she been in there? I don't know. It's in between us. It's a 16-mile drive. So there's a lot of room in between there. No one's going there. She found out about it for the first time because I pointed out. It's like a little closet. Oh, I thought she told you about it. No, no, no. I just spotted it on my way out there. I was like, what the fuck is this place? Magic the Gathering place, I'm guessing. The right to have tournaments. There are... Okay. I mean, Magic the Gathering is still huge today, which is incredible. How did you not get into Magic the Gathering? Because I was like 25 when Magic the Gathering happened. So? So I'm a grown man. I don't I don't, I don't want to be in that shit. A man I who- was never a fuck. you know, we were never a fucking board game family. We never, I never played board, nobody, it was, just, nobody played board games with me. I know, I know your generation loves board games. It's a big thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never played board games. So what you're saying is you want to live that experience? You want me to get a board game? No, I don't. We're gonna, I've we're, never uh, done Dungeon Dragons. I, it just seemed complicated to me. Oh, no. I'm gonna, now that I know how to DM, if we, can get a, if we can get a day, we'll have your first Dungeon Dragon session. Just, can you do it with just two people? We could, technically, but it'd be more fun with more people. Fred Williamson is supposed to be the topic of the subject here. Let's right. get back to 1953, shoe September 5th. This young man shine. is very insistent. Sir. 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 Shoe shine. And he's like, get away from me, kid. He's like, sir. I'm going to go ahead and use a Willie Dynamite word. He knows how to spot a chicken coming through. Remember, that's what Willie Dynamite called the people he knew he could get money out of. So he spots a chicken walking down the fucking side street. See, this is why I'm always talking about walkable cities, Murray. Everybody's intermingling. There's fucking people in suits. There's kids running around, you know, shooting each other with Nerf darts, which didn't exist. But fuck it. Here we go. He spots a chicken. He's like, that's you. Looking pretty scuffed. And the guy goes, they are pretty scuffed. Young man, do it. But be quick about it. I have an important meeting to go to. I'm an important white businessman. I mean, he looks down and sees little Tommy's wrist. They're like fucking steel, so he knows he's going to get a really good fucking buff on those shoes. So Tommy goes to work on those shoes. While it's happening, we see a very mysterious-looking man crossing the street. Very uh, suspicious. Yeah, he kind of reminded me of Big Bubba. He's yeah. big. He had that wispy little mustache and the fucking glasses, fedora. And our man, the old man, notices him as well because he's going into his suit coat to pull out a, like, 
like World War II gun. It looked like a Nazi gun. Yes. Um, I forget what that gun's called. I know. I know someone knows. Huh? Well, we we know our buddy Jack knows. Yeah, it. He's an Jack expert on it. arms. But I love uh, these guns, though. I think they're yeah, really cool. Not, I know it's not a Luger. Yeah, I don't think I, it is. I think it was called a Mauser or something. Like that sounds that. close. I do think it is German. It's got like a. It's like a little handgun with a giant clip on it. Yeah, giant block in front, so you don't get that. You know. That sexy American style gun look, right? Because of course we anthropomorph anthropomorphic. Can you do that word for me? Anthropomorphic. Yeah, everything. So M and M's have to be anthropomorphized. Yeah, that was the one. And then guns have to be sexy, and our cars. Well, guns are always sexy. Our cars have to be sexy. Well, we live in a mechophilia country, right? We have. Everyone's we're, talk- we live in the, the center, the capital of Mechophilia, Detroit. Well, I mean, we made the world want to fuck cars. We're into book burning these days in America. We're we're burning all the books. You know, like LGBT, QBT books. We're burning those books. But you know what the books we're not burning? The books about Boba fucking Fett? cars. Oh. And, of course, the book of Boba <laughs> Fett as well. Which still hasn't come into play at all. Like I don't know why it's called that show. <sighs> called Book of Boba Fett? Because there's no book. Is it... <laughs> Never mind, Fred Williamson, <laughs> Fred Williamson is shining a shoe. Little Fred Williamson. Little Freddie. That's why he didn't have a mustache. He's actually playing a 10-year-old. Yeah. Great acting. But, uh, yeah, and then then he grabs this guy's like little like uh, ankle yeah. biter. Because the guy's starting to get really hesitant. He's like, yeah. okay, 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 yeah, that's good <laughs> enough. Here's fucking 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. He, he and goes, that's equivalent of a million dollars in 1953. He's just trying to get away. But this little fucking kid with the stringy arms, with the wrist like steel, he's got a fucking firm grip. He's got the fucking, he's, he's, he's got the claw grip on him. He's Baron, he's Baron Von Roshking his wrist or his uh, ankle. And that's enough time to give our man, Big Bubba, to shoot him with his, his not a Luger gun. Not a Lex Luger gun at all. It's been a really long time since I squeezed in so many stupid NWA references. Yeah, he shoots the guy, and then the the kid goes running because he's just been a, a, he's just an accessory to murder, basically. Right, but he's well, he's into it. He loves this. This shit. is fifty three, so the alleys dries a bone. Yeah, no Zarks does at all. Yeah, this this is not the era for our our good friend like Canthropus Chris because yeah. there was just no fucking yeah. weird creatures of the night lurking. Right. The only weird creatures of the night were fucking like Dahmers and you know people eating faces. I thought you say Willie these prostitutes. They weren't. No, they just stay in the hotel. That's right. Because all the. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, all the all the fez wearing, uh, uh, you know, people. Shriners, yeah, yeah. The Shriners would come to them. Meets up with uh, Big Baba in the alley. This is where we actually. This is a beautiful way to do your credit scene too, because he's while he's running the streets, we're seeing some of that grill footage of them just filming this kid running around. We're seeing all live people. It's just Harlem streets. Credits rolling over. Got that beautiful the boss. No, we're getting uh, oh, it was down di- and out in uh, New York City. Oh, okay, okay. Another great song by that one-hit wonder, James Brown. Yeah, I've never heard of this guy, and, Jimmy Brown, uh, huh? Jim, Jimbo Is Brown? that who they named the Browns after, the football yes. team? Yes, okay. he did. That's cool. Uh, yeah, and then he meets up with uh, Bubba. Bubba gives him an envelope and the gun. Yeah. And a cannoli. Yeah. Very reminiscent of Godfather. And he also does point out that he's wearing a pinky ring because yeah. uh, Italians wear pinky rings, yes, everybody. That's how you tell someone's Italian. Right. They're given a pinky ring at birth. And then there's the other two things. There's two Italian families. There's the family that's in with Vinny, and they eat the finest. Vinny's, the original Vinny's makes an appearance in this movie. The original. Yes. From New York. Yes. And yeah. you're either a family that's good with Vinny's, and you eat the finest, 
or you're a family that's out with Vinny's. And we've seen this last year in a black exploitation movie, a family that was out with Vinny, and they were eating Chef Boyardee out of mugs. Right. Just gobbles of ravioli just ugh, poured into their mouths. So it's very confusing. Tommy apparently I he had is this the money from the hit? He's got to like give someone their cut. Like I don't know. I don't understand what's going on here. I think what we're trying to do, and I don't want to give too much away. I think we're trying to do like a double full circles type of story. So maybe we'll have to talk about this. We won't remember it. So I think what we're um, seeing is something that is going to be a foreshadow for later. Okay. So okay. He, he heads to an apartment. A white people apartment. Mm-hmm. We know that because there's panties hanging from the stairwell for some reason, drying out. That's what white people do? Yeah, they're training undergarments. They just dry them out, out in the open. I mean, it's that white privilege. Like, I'm going to just fuck going out. Like, usually you see it like on a line between buildings, you yeah. know? No, I'm going to do it across the stairwell. You have to go underneath my dripping panties. Oh, okay. I hate everything about this <laughs> sentence. This I could have slurped that God sentence damn out. It, stop! I didn't do anything. Oh, you said slurp, <laughs> and it's too close to the other words you said. It's not going over well for me, dog. So he goes up to an apartment building. <laughs> A woman answers. I think. I don't know. It doesn't matter. And then she's like, "Hey, McKinney, this this black." <laughs> she this... calls her husband McKinney. <laughs> yeah. Was it her husband? I thought it was just some chick he was fucking. Oh, okay. Oh, I got. He's got a side squeeze because you know this is. Uh, he's our corrupt Irish cop because they're all corrupt, and he's and they're like, all Irish. Yeah, they are. And he's give. Tommy gives him the envelope, and he's like looking through it. Apparently, maybe. Maybe this was his cut, so he would just not even like report this fucking murder. I don't know. Or I, I, I like I said, maybe if I remember it, I'll bring it up later. But I got a whole fucking theory behind this at this point. This cop, very racist. Oh yeah, he's offended that there's a black guy in a white apartment. He immediately goes, "You know, this is a white apartment. Do you not see the dripping undergarments? <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, what are you doing? He's dropping a lot of the double A's. A lot double." Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, the double A's. African-American, yeah. left and right. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he, he's, he's using, he's using he's, the other he's, one. He's yeah. dropping N-bombs, left and right. It's like it's like we're in World War II. He's just dropping the N-bombs. It's like we're in Beastmaster 2. It's not the neutron bomb. It's the other N-bomb. And he's just going, and he's just really, it's like, come on. Even I'm like, come on, stop. Even Joe Rogan's like, stop. All right. <laughs> What is this episode? I'm trying to glom on to Joe Rogan's controversy. Could you have you heard? He's the biggest podcast in the world. Uh, I would rather so if you... I could just get a little of the drippings, a little of the slurps. What are you talking his... about? We're Neil Young's favorite band, our favorite podcast. We are? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Half the people writing us for the whispers are him. Like he's making, he's putting our whispers into his songs. Well, then fuck him if he's making money off of us. He's like, so now, how, how dare he? How dare he take our words off of Spotify? So he can, like, I don't know what do with it. Yeah. Fuck you, Neil Young. And Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Yeah, fuck fuck them. So he accuses Tommy of stealing $50 from this envelope. Yeah, he's immediately getting on this kid. He loves feeling like the big daddy. And he tells he tells little Tommy. The he big says, boss man. Yeah, he's, yeah he says, uh, yeah, go ahead. Call me big boss man. Call me big dad. He's, like, going through all the names. He's going through his own fantasies and everything. And he's pushing him down the stairs. And he's like, yeah, this is my king, too. I like pushing little children down the stairs. 
So he's he's getting he's getting really hot. Like he's gonna have to hang his own undergarments after this fucking affair's over All with right. here. Gets him down to the bottom of the stairs, and he finally flips open that envelope, and he's just like, he doesn't even have to count it. He just smells. He smells the fifty dollars is missing. And, and he, yeah, exactly. He knows like the scent of you know the amount of money he was expecting. So he's like, okay, where is it? I smell another fifty dollars somewhere on your human presence. And Tommy playing it cool. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Look back, man. Get your kink off my shit. I'm 12. Get the fuck out of here. Like, isn't this illegal? Is this illegal? Cop can do anything they want. Exactly. And that's what he tried to tell him. He's like, "Look, this nightstick says I can do whatever the fuck I want." And so Tommy tries to break away, and he he's gonna get something broken for his trouble. Yeah, he gets beat the fuck down with a nightstick. Leg broken. Yeah. Cut to Tommy Lena. Is he, is he in the hospital? No, I he's at his home. He's at home, but he's got the nice thing that holds his leg up in the bed. Right. Somebody fixed that up for him because we know in America you don't go to the hospital. You just can't because we can't afford it. Right. Unless you have COVID. Unless and, you have and COVID. And you're totally causing everybody's life hell. Yes. And unvaccinated. And so Tommy meets his friend Joe, the nerd. Geek. Yeah. His millhouse to Tommy Spart. Exactly. And he's like, Bart, Millhouse, Joe, <laughs> I'm going up the river for some reason. I don't know for getting his ass kicked. I mean, they did they did McKinney like sell him out for the his his accessory to murder? Yeah, I don't know. Why is he going to jail? Maybe I, he's just getting into trouble all the time. It might be that. Yeah, but like Joe, I'm gonna be up the river for a while. I need you to invest in that big brain of yours. Right. You know, I have I know you have a big brain because you're wearing glasses. Right. And only nerds wear glasses. See, I'm not wearing glasses. And Joe is like, no, I got to take care of you. And he's like, no, we're going to take care of each other. And I don't know about, let's see, that's about 12 years. We're going to take care of each other. <laughs> we're going to be the greatest partners Harlem has ever seen. Partners in crime. We're going to be like Patrick Ewing and the other guy that John was on. John Starks. John Starks on the New York Knicks in the late night, early 90s when we are bad boys 2.0. This time it's not that good and we'll never win anything. Right. Just like the Knicks never win anything. Exactly. That's, that's for you, Michael Rappaport. Mm. See, he got hit with the head with a snowball. I thought that was great. No, I He was doing something like France, like some Who TikTok rant. Michael Rappaport? He's just a shithead. Is he a he's sports? An actor. He's oh, he's an actor. the actor guy? He's yeah. the redhead? And yes. Yes, I know him. He was doing some TikTok rant. Someone just hit him in the head with a snowball. I thought that's that was really great. Good. I really like that. But I'm sure he ran to the cops, too, when she's probably talking shit about cops mostly. But he's like, yeah. He probably canceled them. So he's like, Joe, invest in your mind. Because I got the body. I got the muscles. I got the nipples. Invest in your mind. We're going to do big things. Oh, and by the way. Joe is walking out the door. He's just about to slam it on his own bottom, which I don't even know how you do that with physics and all, but. Don't forget to get your dick wet. Because I don't want no virgins working for me. That's right. It says, I'll work on that. All right, Murray, are you ready to do it? Ready. Back in the time warp. Now we're in October 23rd, 1965. I'm glad Murray. they get the exact day. Like, do we need like the day? Just say 1965. Yeah, we didn't really need that. I mean, I could see fall was in the air. We both know fall very well. Yeah, very uh, crisp. We walk out. Like our finger, put it to the well. We flick it out of our mouth first because that's what Rat told us to do. Right, and we just feel the breeze and we say, "It's October, dog." So he's a grown man now. He's he's a he's a full grown Fred Williamson. 
Yeah. He's still got a limp. That guy fucked his leg up forever. I never noticed he had a limp. He so had a limp. Only in this scene did he have a limp. Then he forgot about it. Oh, well, well it's very much like AEW then. Right. Okay. Yeah, he's selling it right now. He's fucking dapper as all hell. Beautiful. Yeah. Roger Ebert could not stop raving about his suits in this uh, in this movie. Roger Ebert saw this, gave it four and a half thumbs up. He had thumbs grafted to his hand so we could give it more thumbs up. He was a big fan. I, he should be. Yeah, he's not wrong. Got giant mutton chops. I don't think well, maybe sixty five. They were popular. I don't they know. they weren't. I wouldn't call them giant. They're not. They're not fucking like Matt Pike giant chops. They're no. they're styled but long. They're crisp. Yeah. And he's walking. Speaking. Maybe he needs a little. Uh, you know, it's trim because he goes into a barber shop. Oh yeah. Meanwhile, there's a mobster. He's just talking shit about black people. It's like, I bet you've never even been to Vegas. Vegas is where all the cool white people hang out. Yeah. 65. Only Sammy was allowed in Vegas in 65. A black man. Right. So he's telling the truth, but it's 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 still, it's bullshit. It's like, we don't agree with this. Right. Everybody should be allowed to lose their shirt in Vegas. It's right. It should be white people. And he's going on, he's about to get the straight razor shave, which yeah. is, uh, it's an anxious moment for every man in their life when someone's about to straight razor them. And he's decided to go into the 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 uh, African American establishment right. as a racist person who is spewing racism <laughs> at him with a blade to his neck. That's how bold these fucking the mafia guys were. They're like, I'm gonna fucking call this guy every word, slur in the book, and he's, I'm gonna allow him to shave my throat. Right, and he was like telling him, "Don't have a nervous hand. Don't fucking nick me at all, because you know I know how you." How you uh, blacks have trouble with your nerves and everything. And I know you guys don't know how to bootstrap up. I know you guys don't. He is just tearing them down. Just just in the nick of time. Our, Nick's been a word we've been using a lot. Yeah, really. He he walks. Uh, Tommy walks in. I yes. forgot our hero's name. And he just like he owns the place. He And he's going to own the place. Yeah, sits down, just very comfortably, and immediately is just like, "Hey, looks like you're almost all set. I think I'll go ahead and get my collar ready for my own shave." And as he goes for his collar, he pulls out that mouser. Yeah, I'm gonna say the guzzle. I think it's called. You know what? I'm gonna look it up real quick. Go on. And he, and then one guy, another. There's a shoe shine place in the back. They're ready to fucking book. He's like, "No, you're cool. Stay there. Stay where you are. Everybody stay. Everybody be cool. Everybody be Fonzies. We. Is it a mouser? Uh, I think that's it. All right. And he's like, "Let this man have a shave." And you can see right now, fucking. I don't know. Guy didn't have a name. Mobster guy. He's sweating. Yep. So we're going back and forth. They're having a little bit of dialogue. They're talking mob talk, everybody. So you know every word is a glove slapped to the face. And there, it's like, think about this. Hey, Olympics are going on right now. I know it's a summer Olympic sport. It's like a fucking challenging game of ping pong. That ball, you can barely see it. The insults are just flying all over the place with topspin. That's incredible. And the barber, being the guy in the audience who's ping ponging around, He's trying to just carefully shave this man's neck, and he's just slipping because this guy's shaking because he's darting back and forth to dodge his or to fucking you know return the ping pong ball. This is a perfect metaphor. I don't know why you're not jumping in on it. So he's getting all cut up all over his neck and everything, and 
of course, uh, Tommy is just throwing it at him like, oh, God, you're not going to be looking so good today when you go back to your, you know, to go see your, your boys. And he's like, oh, by the way, I, uh, I heard Cardoza's got a, got a hit out on you. I think I'm going to save him some time and take care of that hit myself. And then he gets up. And slight, he grabs that. Did he shoot the guy? He shot him because he, the, guy. the guy is just like, "Oh, my gun's all the way over there. You really gonna shoot me?" Fred's like, "Fred, Tommy's just like, hey, fuck yeah, I'm gonna shoot you." And shoot him, he does. And then he's like, "I need proof. I'm not gonna carry this big Guido everywhere around." Slice off his ear. Yeah. And so he goes, "Hand me that straight razor, young man." Chunk slices the ear off. And we cut over to a man enjoying a nice big old plate. The most delicious. Look, I didn't realize this, Murray. Where do you stand? And I, I read stats on this. I did my research. Garlic bread with a spaghetti. Yes or no? Sure. Sure. How against it? How forward are you? Give it a percent I like out of a hundred. Okay, out of a hundred percent. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Apparently, true Italians of Italy put that at like a negative 40. Well, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like uh, an American, Chinese, American Chinese food ain't Chinese food at all. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I agree with that. So I'm just saying this guy. I don't give a fuck about authenticity. I no, like no. Like I'm saying Cardoza. It's not about you. It's about yeah. Cardoza. We just did this for a barometer so everybody has, you know, a taste of Tim Murray. Yeah. yeah. So clearly, this guy fake italian that's all i'm saying because he's got he's got the fucking frozen store-bought he's got stofers he's got stofers wow that's how that's how they into just, they, just, they just gave him a fucking microwave french bread pizza <laughs> and, like, and yeah he's just like oh my compliments to the chef this shit is like my mama used to make so like a true non-vinnie's italian was he a vinnie's italian i didn't notice yeah he was a vinnie's this is this, okay. this actually this is vinnie's we're at this is the original vinnie's oh this is the original yeah. vinnie's. okay that's where there's garlic bread <laughs> vinnie's is that was a cardoza special yeah. we, i mean he's a mob boss so you got to do what he wants <laughs> he requests garlic bread <laughs> Because we know Vinny's makes the perfect sandwich bun. But is it, is it garlic bread or is it garlic sticks? Huh? Oh, Vinny? <laughs> no, Vinny makes true Italian loaves. Okay. He doesn't smear the, the, the garlic bullshit on it. You know, he does the... Is there any mayo on this garlic bread? Well, not on the garlic bread, Murray, but you know... Dipping sauce? <laughs> dipping that reminds sauce. me. I know you said you hate mayo. If you're eating, like, say you're eating fish and chips, would you not dip it in tartar sauce then? Oh, no, I hate tartar sauce. You don't like tartar sauce. I don't like tartar sauce. Okay. It's, okay. Is that like a mayo? Yeah, that's all mayo. It is a yeah. mayo. Okay. There's some shit thrown in. No, for me, uh, I just... So you just eat plain fish. You wouldn't dip I, it in anything. Well, if I'm eating a like, fried fish, yeah. lemon juice, lots of it. I love that. You can have both. Okay. I don't want both. I want just the lemon juice. If I'm doing like, you know, just you put vinegar like it? a pure meat fish, then it's usually like blackened type of type of situation. So you, you don't know? like a condiment on your fish. I I don't need a tartar sauce. Okay. Okay. So uh Cardoza's just digging in that spaghetti and then our then fucking ear flops down. Covered with garlic. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? Garlic salt was on the ears. Oh, oh, garlic salt. Okay. Yeah. 
And he's like, hey, who's fucking on my spaghetti here? And it's like, oh, it's you, that black guy. <laughs> Wait, was that you doing that fake Italian voice? Because that sounded like a griff Italian voice. Come on, man. Clear your throat. Let's go. <laughs> so uh, Tommy comes in, and he's just like, uh, I mean, Tommy doesn't come in. Tommy's right there dropping the ear in his spaghetti. In. He comes into the frame. Yeah, okay. And he's like, hey, I did this for everyone to see because you don't employ blacks. And everyone knows that. Right. And he's like, yeah, there's a reason. I don't. He's, like, he's like, well, I'm employing you now and I'm going to give you half because you're black and I don't have to pay you full price. That's right. There's another ping pong, verbal ping pong. Thank you, Murray. Here. I'm glad you're picking up this fucking metaphor. And then he's like, Tommy, like basically invites himself to the table and he goes, uh, Garcon, come here. Yeah. And then he goes, Oh, Garcon. He goes, Rigatoni, enchilada, nacho cheese. That's the perfect Vinny's order. Right. And, and that's says, it. That impresses fucking Cardoza. Right. He's like, You know your Mexican Italian fusion, son. Holy shit. And so he's just really thinking this over because he's like, You did this in front of everybody. That's right. And you're trying to get associated with me. That's right. How is this supposed to work out? Because you don't employ blacks. Right. So who's going to believe that you hired me to go in broad daylight because and we, shoot this motherfucker? Well, and also because black people were invisible to you guys. You don't even respect us as human beings. So well, but, we can just come in and out because you don't even acknowledge us. Right. Cardoza pushed back on him like, how are you supposed to go do this neck? Like, you, you're saying you're going to do this neck job for me? How are you supposed to get away with it? Everyone's seen your face now. Eh, eh, eh. He did the Hulk Hogan finger wag. Just three very slow, deliberate wags. You whiteys don't know face. I could just go in, get my friend, replace him with me here at this table, and you think you're talking to me right now. Because they got racial blindness. Right. And Cardoso's come up with every excuse in the book not to hire him. He's like, look, I don't hire the same guy twice in the city. Because... What happens is you get pinched, and you black guys, you just confess as soon as there's any heat put on you. And he's just like, look, 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 how about I, how about, how about this? You don't even have to pay me for this hit. Give me this one block. The shittiest block in Harlem. It is pretty shitty. I think I will give it to you. Thank you. That's all I ask for. Yeah, he doesn't want to be his fucking guy. He wants to Willy Dynamite this thing. He wants to bootstrap it up right. to the fucking kneecaps. He wants to take over a whole block himself. He's embracing the entrepreneurial spirit. Right. And we get a nice entrepreneurial montage right up next. We've got some nice James Brown. We're hearing the boss right now. And we see him walking the streets. We see him just shooting a Tommy gun off. We see him with some babes in a car. We see him like... Looking at perspective, like, places to, like, do something in. We see lots of shots where he's at the four corners, you know, streets meeting up, all the kids. Hydrants are popped. It's summertime suddenly, even though it's supposed to be October. They're fucking having the time of their lives. And we see the guy that I say, and we don't even see him. We just see the uh, instrument he has prepared for Tommy. We don't see him, but I recognize those grill marks. Are you so you're basically saying only a white man could grill a hot dog properly? Who's the Cardoza now, motherfucker? Me, Harlem. I first of all, I am sure Tommy would only allow his hot dog people in Harlem to be black. Wow, because he's like, look, we know how we like our hot dogs, 
And I'm tired of all these white guys gentrifying our hot dog stands. No shit. You think they were gentrifying the hot dogs? Yes. They're putting fucking spiced mustard and shit on it and all this stuff. They're like, we don't, we don't eat that shit. All right? right. So you're saying that Tommy and the black audience enjoys a nice plain hot dog. That's what he was enjoying. That's what I enjoy. So there we have him just choking on this hot dog. And I, I, I still stand by the, my argument that this is our good one. The man even though we don't see him. The man as far as we know, he doesn't even exist. He only exists in Griff's mind. Yes, this is true. I'm giving the good one this week. My good one goes to the man who prepared the hot dog. As always, I will have the correct answer in a minute. Okay. But So we're getting a great montage. We haven't had a montage in a while. We've been, we've been, we've been having these, all these two-hour fucking movies. This is why this movie is only a nice, tight 94 minutes. Montage. Well, sure. So he's building up. He's amazing. He's got Joe working the numbers. It's great. This is like this is an American dream. Right. So the fucking trio, they're going in. They're going to meet with the white guy who's got the deluxe apartment in the sky, and he's also got a job that's connected, of course, to people in the city. Right. He's like a lawyer. He is a lawyer. And we see Tommy, Joe, and Rufus, a new character. Yeah. He's got the whole religious angle covered. Well, he, he is a priest. He's a preacher. He's not a priest. Oh, excuse priest me. He's a Catholic. Okay. Excuse- He's a reverend. Reverend. Reverend okay. Ron. Reverend Roof. And they're laying out the plan for this corrupt honky. They're like, look, man, I got the perfect money laundering scheme no, you don't pay tax. Churches don't have to pay taxes, so all our money comes through me. You don't have to like, you know, say where it came from. It was a donation. We got the plan set up, dude. Definitely not Larry Cohen making any kind of statement about religion in America. No, not at all. Definitely not. So they're like, look, this money that you're going to get for us, it's all going to stay in Harlem. And this is something that's very inspiring today. I don't know how Willie Dynamite would feel about this, but this is this is very direct. They want to bring up the city that they're trying to represent. Right. Good for fucking them. They're not they're not gonna Bezos this and be like, let's go flirt with nine other cities and make them fucking just like cheap the fuck out, build all their infrastructure around us that the city taxpayers have to pay for, and then we'll give them shit jobs. Yeah, unlike Bezos, they're actually gonna reinvest their money in their community. Right. Bezos expects the government to do that. Exactly. And he's like, we're going to build the community up. We're going to build deluxe apartments to the sky. I'm, I'm glad that's coming right back. Yeah. We're bringing, we're taking it back. Oh, man. I, I'm sorry. I visited the pepper bar earlier, and I'm just burping up peppers. And Coleman, the conky, he's like, well, how are the how are the mafia going to feel about this? I mean, this they might not like some uppity black guy. Thinking he's got, you know, he can he can take over. Thinking he's a right. black Caesar. Tommy, you know better than anybody that the mob's not. You ever had a black this. Caesar salad? No. It's a Caesar with balsamic vinegar on it, Griff, and then a nice dollop of mayo. And here's the kicker: a a, a halfway ripened cherry tomato, like it's a little green. <laughs> halfway ripened, yeah, okay, yeah. That's called the Black Caesar. You can get okay. that in all the finest Italian restaurants. Okay, so you want a good fusion of like the red and the green on there. You want that contrast. Yeah. Is it is it taste or is it color like to really make everything pop? I don't know. You don't even know. No. You just enjoy them. Yeah. Okay. I just I don't think it. I don't overthink it. I just you really don't. You I mean in. you've never cooked a thing in your life. So when people put a beautiful platter in front of you like that, you're just like fuck yeah. Yeah. 
I'm not I'm not a finicky eater like Murray, you. Murray, are you a chef's kiss guy? Like when someone puts that dish in front of you? A little too on the nose. I'm a little too on the nose? Yeah. What What is your compliment? Do you just wave them away because you're Murray? <laughs> yes, I go. I do the... Uh, what was her name <laughs> from the Cleopatra Jones? I do the handshake. Thing. Oh, uh, Mama? Yeah. Well, I think it was just Mama, right? Something like that. The little ass hand. Oh, my God. Now I can't stop thinking about so that. So, Coleman, <laughs> the corrupt honky's like, we need we need some pressure on these mafiosos. And Tommy's like, I got it. I know where their ledgers are. Where they keep all the real books, you know, where we can. And they'll go to fucking jail, man. And Coleman's like, I like what you're saying. How about you take care of that? Yeah. So here's where the confusion really starts in for me, because now we have a character named Joe and we have a character named Coleman and we have a friend of the podcast named Joe Coleman. Uh So all while I was watching this movie, all I was thinking about is our good friend, Joe Coleman. And I was like, I haven't talked to him. He's an honorary black man. He has a great tan. That's right. And they all, all, all the brothers tell him that. God, I feel such a, (laughs) such an asshole saying all. Anyways, you are an asshole. I, was thinking about him. Next thing you know, he texted me. He was just like, hey, what's up, man? Whoa. So that was fucking weird. We have Joe Coleman in this movie and two characters. Anyways. All right. The severed right, ear was yeah. ringing. I'm sorry? The severed ear was ringing. That's it. That night, Tommy heads to Big Wits. This is where it's a club where the mob does all their bookkeeping. Yeah, it's like a jazz club. It's very fancy. And they got this guy, gigantic fucking adding machine. Loud oh. as fuck. Oh, yeah. And you could tell they were not Vinny's types because I saw that fucking mug overflowing with Chef Boyardee ravioli. Was it? I thought it was beefaroni. Oh, it was a beefaroni? Yeah. I couldn't. The grain of the film. Beefaroni, you can just, you don't need a, a fork. You can just swallow it. Oh, they right forked the it? Oh, okay. Ravioli's a little big. You know, you yeah. might want to fork that, but beefaroni, just chug it. You chug <laughs> Anyway, they're running the numbers, they're doing their thing. Uh, Tommy runs into his lady, Helen. Yeah, she works there. Played by Gloria Hendry, the very first black Bond girl, and the female lead in Black Bell Jones from our last really? year. Yeah, you forgot about her because they all the same to you. Oh, my God. And oh, so, <laughs> so <laughs> she lets them in. She's got the because you know, she's like, I guess, cleaning up. I don't know. She's a singer at this club. Yeah. Well, they just make her stay because it's a power game to them. Probably, yeah. Yeah. And she's like, look, they're in the back. He's like, baby, play the loudest fucking piano you could ever play. Cover up these noises I'm going to be making. Yeah. Because I hit Vinny's. I might fart. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he does say, I got to go hit the toilet. I don't eat the (laughs) shit your boys eat. I eat the real shit. I eat the Vinny's. I eat that fucking rigged. Authentic Mexican-Italian fusion. Yeah, that Mexa Ruggatoni. (laughs) Mexa Tony. And so she starts playing her, her favorite. She starts playing Piano Man, which, of course, is white man. I thought it was uh, Billy Joel's Big Shot. Yeah, had to be, be a big shot. Because that would play into what it's foreshadowing Tommy's, like, rise and fall. It was Big Shot. So she's playing Big Shot. Tommy bursts in the door, immediately shoots the fucking... Uh, the uh, count in the face. Right. And they're just fucking stunned because white people are, they're impervious to this, to fucking Billy Joel. Right. And that door <laughs> swings. Yeah. That door swings <laughs> yeah, open and they just hear. super white. Yeah. yeah. Billy Joel hypnotized. That door opens and they hear a big shot with that <laughs> piano strike and they're just like, fuck yes. They're ready. They're going to go out there. This place, 
No beer steins, no beer glasses, nothing but champagne flutes. So they're just like, I got to go get my flute on. They're getting ready to go in there, and they get shot. And he grabs the ledgers, heads back to Coleman's. While, while he's with Coleman, our, a guy from the past, from Tommy's past, McKinney rolls in. And he's, he, he hasn't been sitting on, resting on his laurels for the past 12 years. He's up for the police commissioner job. Right. And so, okay, Joe, or Tommy did have a minute in here with, excuse me, Coleman. And he's like showing him the books. He's like, oh, this is all so good. I got McKin- McKinney right in the fucking waiting room here. We're ready to bring him in. I'll hide the books. We'll sprint. And he's like, no, 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 no. Leave one book out. Spread the other one wide open. Just let him come in. Let him breathe that fucking stench of, I got you, motherfucker. What did he have him? I guess so. I thought McKinney was a part. I thought McKinney was part of their thing, and they just had he to, was. They had to give him a cut because it's he's about the leverage. police commissioner. Yeah, it's about leverage because okay. I think these books could have sold them out. So because I they, thought it was just like he gets a cut of everything because he's so powerful. Like, right. I think it was going to be a situation where it's easier if McKinney works for us, and he's such a fucking slime ball. He wants that kickback. He wants to go visit his white apartments and get some. Training undergarments wet, you know? So he's, he's thinking about that. He wants to keep it nice and easy, and Tommy can lean into that. And Tommy plays it cool, even though you know he's seething. He wants he's like, I want to kill this fucking cracker. But he plays it cool. Yep. And he's like, look, payoffs and envelopes are thing of the past. It's stocks and bonds now. We're fucking big time. It's NFTs now. Right. He's just he's just painting that picture. And McKinney likes what he's hearing. Mm-hmm. He's just like, wow, you guys got your shit together. That's right. And he's like, he's like, Tommy goes, you gave me my education. Now I'm going to put your kids through college. He grabs him by the balls here. This is a power. The, the power struggle happening. It's intense. But he makes it. He sweet talks McKinney. McKinney's all in. And then as soon as he walks out, Tommy turns to Joe and Coleman. He's like, I'm going to kill that motherfucker. That motherfucker fucked my leg up. I was going to play for the Knicks. I was drafted. <laughs> Second overall. All right. Are you ready for the next day? Yeah, I'm always ready. So I guess this this might be October 24th, 25th. We don't know the days. They just bleed into one another. Tommy, now that he's got the leisures, he's got the, uh, the fucking lawyer in the city. He's like... I need that apartment in the sky. So I'm going to... Well, we we think he's just there for a meeting with uh, Coleman. And he's like, yeah, this place is going to look really... It's going to make a great fuck pad. And Coleman's like, what? What are you talking about? I was like, I bought this place right from under you. Yeah, I just bought it. Everything. I own your clothes. I own your furniture. I own your maid. And he looks down. He's like, yeah, I own your wife too. And the wife's just like, oh, shit. She's pulling her tits out. Rubber her training garments, undergarments. She yeah, was, of course, uh, training undergarments. I don't know yeah. why a 35-year-old woman would need training undergarments. Oh, right, 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 right. I guess you never start le- stop learning. You never stop learning. <laughs> That's right. Your body never stops learning either. That's right. The moment you stop learning is the moment you die in your brain. That's a lesson. What is I know, What is a training bra? Like, I don't understand. What's the, what's the why, why was it different than a bra? I don't know. Uh, I, maybe if we had more women listeners, we would know this. <laughs> so... Yeah, she's all she's all for it. She's like, I'm staying. Like her husband's like, the fuck you aren't. Yeah, but how do you do that? How do you like come in? Like, by the way, I own everything, including your clothes. 
I don't know. But the guy's like, he sees the money he's going to be making off time. He's like, I'm in, fine. You can have my wife. I don't yeah. really give a shit. So she flirts with him a little bit on the way out, and, you know, Coleman's just like, no, 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 let's go, honey. Let's go, honey, right now. Hurry up. But I love it, because Tom, as she's walking out, Tommy goinks her coat off. He's like, no, that's mine, too. Nice. And grabs I didn't her coat. That. That's like Willy Wonka level, just like seamlessness. No, I, I, I fucking it. love this, because I hate rich people, too. This is so, true. So, I, yeah. so, when, so what he does is he takes his shirt off. Shows those big nipples. He's like, I, I can show them everywhere He's now. He's blasting those nips, yeah. It goes off on the balcony and starts throwing her clothes off the fucking... For real. So fucking good. Gorilla shots, everybody. He's just throwing mink coats off the fucking balcony. This is, you know, when you hear Jimmy Cornette talking about wrestling, blending reality with, you know, the fiction and everything... This movie is blending reality and fiction because of all the gorilla shots. This is a real fucking shot of right. just Fred Williamson. I just imagine people who live this like, what the fuck? The mink coat just yeah, landed exactly. in front of me. And that's how we got Willie Dynamite. <laughs> it landed on Oscar from Sesame Street. And he was like, fuck, yeah, look good. And then a director came by and said, holy shit, do you want to be a pimp in this movie I've been you know, pitching? Yup. History. Next day, the maid shows up. She's owned by Tommy, apparently. Oh, yeah. And she, she... By the way, this room? Filthy. Yeah, Clothes well, everywhere. Well, yeah, because he was throwing them out. Oh, it was because Fred... Okay, yeah. I get it. And uh, he, she, she's like, Mr. Coleman, I'm here for your breakfast in bed. You know, and then, but he's on, there's this body underneath the covers. It was vegetable juice because that's how the whites stay in power. V8. Betty White never ate a vegetable. Really? That was her secret to living. Oh. She said, I never eat vegetables. Then our, our buddy Mike's going to live forever. And so she's like, Mr. Coleman, you're, here's your V8. And then rips the covers off. Surprise. <laughs> like, I know those nips anywhere. <laughs> she's like, oh, my God, a black man's in here. And it's like, no, it's me, Mom. It's your son, Tommy. The maid is his mother. Yeah. What a coincidence that the guy he's working with also employs his mother. Hey, small world. And her mother's like, "What the? Get the fuck out of here, Mr. Coleman is gonna freak out if he sees my son in his bed. I'm gonna lose my fucking job." I'm like, "Mama, mama, mama, this is your place now. You don't ever have to work again. What the fuck are you up to, Tommy? You just got out of jail. What are you talking about? Don't worry, Mama. I got a plan." But she's she's nervous. She's a good, hardworking, honest woman, and she does not like what her son's getting up to. Right. And she's like, I, son, I don't know. I don't I want nothing to do with this shit. He's like, Mama, please. I want to give you this place. You need to start living like, well, this is the white neighborhood. It's okay. They're not going to fuck with you because you're in my territory now. And we do a little Scooby-Doo star swipe. And we go to the next day, October 25th. Let's just call it. Tommy sets up a meeting at Vinny's with Cardoza. Mm. He's already got the fucking uh, garlic bread with the, the nacho dipping sauce. Well, yeah, he's still, he likes the shit frozen garlic bread, but he loves, of course, the Vinny's nacho dipping sauce. Right. Oh, my God. Those pepperoncinis. He likes to float them in there. <laughs> so Cardoza shows up. He's like, hey, Paisano, what's going on here? And he's like, take a seat. He's like, ah, I never sit with my back to the fucking door. You know that. Yeah. So he sits down. Tommy, like, fucking crams into the booth next to him. Tommy, at this point, too, he's floating a fucking pinky ring. And he's showing right. it off. He's just like, I'm just like you. We're family now, right? 
I love the Vinnies. You know I got and my like, order. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're a little too dark to be my family. He's, he's like, know your place. Oh, know my place. And he throws an arm, and this suddenly friendly conversation starts getting a little kind of gray. It's like Cody Rhodes territory. Like I'm like, wait, what? And then apparently... Was COVID happening at this time too? Because they have like those outdoor like restaurant type things where there's like a guy. It's like a tent they're in. Okay, so one of the behind the scenes of this movie, it was a lot of the shots were done in Harlem, but then some of the shots were done in L.A. So this is clearly an L.A. shot. Yeah, it's like there's like a it's like a tent they're in. It's weird. So they they oh like, no, it's like it's like a beautiful porch area and everything. But no, but the like the top is there's not like a roof. It's like a, like a like flaps. Yeah, it, I didn't see flaps. Yeah, because they were pulled back because the guys his Tommy's guys are on the roof. Oh, I see what you mean. You're down. like a tarp or yeah. something. Yeah, okay, like a fancy tarp. Well, I it guess. definitely wasn't a blue tarp. What are they called? No. Tarps. Oh, okay. Yeah. And yeah, it had it was classy. It had stripes on it. Yeah, exactly, green and white. Yeah, natural and red. Well, how did I forget the red? I don't know. And so, uh, I t- is like shitting him. I was like, "What's going on here? I've done so much for you. I gave you that block, and then this is why Cardoza is one of the good no, ones no. because he gave Tommy shit." And we're learning he didn't even she didn't she didn't even trusted Tommy because Tommy's like yeah you did give me shit and I'm gonna and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some shit I was kind of disappointed because Tommy gives them a present and we never find out what that present is that's true I love that about this movie though so we're like for our, it's like what is it it's like it wasn't a good gift because Tommy's offend or Cardoza's offended do you by think it. this is going way back do you think Tommy is the real killer from Blue Velvet because he likes cutting ears off holy. Shit. Do you think he framed Frank Booth? Yes. 100% Murray. The way these two worlds are colliding, <laughs> I feel like I should play Power Man 5000 right now. I'm not going to do that. Um, holy shit. I think you're right. I'm liking your hook hair, by the way. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah. So, no, he's the, he's one of the good ones. He, even though he knew you should never trusted Tommy, he still Dude, gave him that block. I can't go along with this because he's like, never. He's wanted- a character that's in the movie for Christ's sakes. You're like this is this is imaginary character. <laughs> I think should be. I know this movie was very tough to find a good white person in because the white people in this movie were awful. Right and scant at best. Yeah. Like there's some of Cardoza's guys. Then there's McKinney, who's obviously the greatest bastard of all time. Well, no, he's the worst bastard of all time. <laughs> yes. uh, if you like sorry. bastards, he's the greatest. Sorry, I, I, I don't know what I did with my words there. But the problem with Cardoza is that he never really believed in Tommy. He was just like, yeah, fucking do it. I don't give a shit because the minute you fail, I'm going to disassociate with you. So, I, like, I get but it. But he for gave one... him his shot. He, if he didn't get he his didn't... shot, Tommy would have nothing. No, he didn't he... give him a shot. He gave him Tommy, the block. Tommy took his shot. No, no, no. He needed that block, and Cardoza gave him that block, and then Tommy he grasped the entrepreneurial spirit, got those bootstraps, All right. and he did it. All right. He did. He, he, you're right. He did just like put a calm on that block. Yes. You're right. I guess he's one of the good ones. Barely. <laughs> Barely. Well, this was a tough one. I'm Asterix are next to this. This is Barry Bonds, not in the Hall of Fame right here. Cardoza, one of the good ones with an asterisk. So Cardoza is like, 
you fucking African American, you. Yeah. Wait till my boys on the coast hear about the bullshit you're pulling. And you know a mobster's angry when they're doing the fucking hand, where they're pinching all their fingers together and they're pointing he to He did their... the fucking thing where they go like that. That's he, a lot of you. He, that's what his boys were doing. They were doing that. <laughs> he was pointing to the pinky and doing the, to just, because that's like. Power in the yeah. Italian world, right? From what I understand, they speak with their hands. I, I'm ignorant. I don't know what I am. I'm a mud blood. What is it? Wait, a, I don't, I don't a know. muggle? A muggle? Okay, that's the Harry Potter one. Yeah. Well, oh yeah, muggle. Yeah. You're a muggle. And so uh, Tommy just kills Cardoza after that. He's like, I'm not worried about any motherfuckers. I'm taking over. I'm Black Caesar. And by the way, could I have a Black Caesar salad right now, Benny? Whatever you Any like, black so. garlic in that? No, no black garlic. Why is it called a black Caesar again? Balsamic. <laughs> oh, right. Straight from the Harkonnens uh, uh, vinegary. Vats? Yeah. The vat factory? The Harkonnen vats. <laughs> they milk them out of cats. <laughs> the vats with the cats. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite Dr. Seuss movie. The cat in the vat. Jesus Christ. So you know they canceled that. It was offensive to cats. <laughs> So, Cardoz is dead. Uh, and now we're cutting to a big Guido barbecue. Vinny's catering it, of course. He just opened his place in L.A. He's expanding. This is how you knew that Vinny's what? Okay, so a while ago, there was a Cardoza mention of, hey, don't fuck with me. I got guys on the coast. Right. And so we were left wondering, what does that mean, guys on the coast? Yeah, I'm thinking we're already on the coast. We're in New York. Exactly. We're on no. one coast. What, what are you talking about? Uh, guys on another coast? This is 19... 19- <laughs> Right, and you think like, I mean, yeah, they had, in the 65, they had a presence in L.A., but I would think the mobs was way bigger in fucking New York. And the East Side. And Philadelphia, even in fucking Detroit, than they were in in Chicago, than they were in fucking L.A. at this time. They were just moving into L.A. at this time. Right. Like, Meyer Lansky and all that shit. So, yeah, um, he's just like, hey, fuck it. I don't care. I'm not. I'm not intimidated. I gotta tell you guys, I really appreciate this because I don't even know how old Carl Weathers is at this time. Maybe twelve. They let him come in and direct this scene because we get that overhead shot of just a just fucking bowl of ranch or uh, excuse me mayo. mayo. Yeah, they were making uh, handmade bowls of uh, uh, black Caesars. Right, black Caesars. That's actually what the movie refers to. It's not about Fred. Williamson is not Black Caesar. Oh, this it, is really about the salad. Oh, it's kind of like how Citizen Kane is yeah. about Rosebud and the everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It this makes this is another sense. tragic fucking story. This is another Greek tragedy, Italian and, tragedy. And again, it's just like you know we were talking about the Goodfellas last scene with that one shot and how they did yeah. it. Willie Dynamite first. And so we're doing like the Godfather scene where Godfather opens up with that big party with his family and they're all having fun. And supposedly it was just like that was just a legit party and there's candid footage. A wedding, yeah. Right, a wedding. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh, this is the same scene. They shot. They shot it the same way. They just had people here celebrating with all their Vinnies. They're like, oh my god, the Vinnies. And of course, we all know the 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 mayo that Vinnies uses is uh, foot stomped. So they had the women in the half barrel stomping out the, the mayo. You just had the some egg. like hard boiled eggs or some shit, and they were stomping on them. They were stomping mayo? on them with with all the emulsifiers <laughs> and everything. A little bit of salt. They get the olive oil. They actually what they do is they coat the girls in the olive oil, and so it drips off of them and. Body dripped olive oil is how you get that classic Vinny's taste. Right. 
of course. You know this. They have to be I, virgins, too, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. Th- yeah. You actually see... This isn't That's how this, you get virgin olive oil, too. This isn't... Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's not in this movie, but there's another movie where we see the mayo-making scene and a woman gets shot because she's not a pure virgin. But we right. see that, so we know. Wow, what are we doing? So they, got, they got the pepper bar laid out. It's looking great. But... Tommy shows up. First of all, there a car. A car shows up. Were there white guys driving the car because they're let in? Oh yeah, it was uh, the Wayne brothers doing whiteface. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the Wayne brothers, uh, Sean and Marlon, wasn't that the? Sure, let's do that one. And they they go. It looks white to me. And they let him in, and then the fucking uh, the the trunk opens up. The boot, as they say in England. Oh, and do they? a guy pulls, yeah, and a guy pulls out a machine gun and just starts killing the guards. And then it's like a scene out of like a fucking Chokazugi ninja movie. We it got was. People, people like rap repelling down shit, climbing shit. I loved it. I, re- I just watched this. I, ha- I couldn't even fast forward through it. I had to stop and watch this because I love these type of action scenes. As opposed to just slowly like having people die and everything, you got people being shot up. You got a guy getting thrown over the camera, and the camera's on the ground and does that like that like kind of I guess you would call it a one eighty shot. Oh, I love that shit. It's so good. They're just throwing the dead bodies. Yeah, they in. take them all out, throw the bodies in there. That's this. It's like a, it's like human minestrone. It's just like the minestrone massacre. That's what that, it was known as forever, the minestrone I, massacre. I didn't understand why they were putting the dried minestrone noodles in there. Yeah. That's what it was about. Right, it was sending a message. Oh, my God. That's this movie's so all cool. about metaphors. It's all about metaphors. I didn't like what they did with the mayo, though. That's foot-stomped mayo, fresh. So they wipe out the entire Cardoza family. Because apparently there's only two families in this movie that run the mafia. And so the other one's pretty happy with what, what Tommy's doing. So right. Tommy takes a visit to McKinney. Now I couldn't figure out he's back. He's got to be back on the East Coast because yes, McKinney. He's back on the East Coast. Okay, and so back he, in the New York groove. He's just walking downstairs, and I recognize this. I've spent some time over in the New York. I've been in some boroughs, and I was like, "Oh, this is some of those beautiful taco establishments." He's walking into not Vinny's. There's no Italian food here. No. Just tacos, and he's walking down there. It looks like they're about to have a children's party. That's what I saw. I mean, McKinney's even got a party blower in his mouth. Tommy beaming ear for ear. McKinney's like, well, you got a smile on your face. You know the mafia's not going to give a black guy any territory. Right. And he's like, look, man, everybody's a liberal, McKinney. Where you been? He's just, he, he knows some shit, McKinney. McKinney's getting nervous. He's like, what is this guy's? What is he up right. to? And then the syndicate shows up. I think that Tommy should have been writing the work. So I, I don't remember if it was MLK or if it was Malcolm X. who was like, the liberals are the scariest motherfuckers ever because they say they're with you and then they turn their back on you when it comes time to vote. Well, that sounds like a Malcolm X thing. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Look into that, people. It's Black History Month. Do your own research. It's Black History Month. Syndicate shows up and they're happy and they're ready to talk to Tommy. And Tommy's got the whole TED Talk set up. He's like, look. Man, well, yeah, he's got Joe there with the fucking like uh, the cutout or the, the the graph paper and everything. He's right. got the fucking pointer. Venn's diagrams, everything. Murray, this is PowerPoint. No, this is 1965. No one's even seen an extendable pointer yet. No. So when Joe goes into his pocket, everyone thinks he's getting a gun, and he pulls out that little pen, and they're like, <laughs> "Oh, it's a pen." Then he extends it, and it's a pointer. They're like, wow. "Holy fuck." I saw so much mayo dripping out of mouths in and that scene. Tom, it is slip smacking good. Tommy's laying the plan out. He's like, "Look, man, I 
I know I'm a black man. I know I'm, I know my place. All I ask is, you know, my, you know how my people are. They're uncontrollable. I can get them under control for you guys. Just give me the ghettos of every major city, Detroit, Chicago, Philly, New York. I will keep them in line. And not only that, I'm going to stay away from the narcotics game. All I want is the pimping and the gambling. You guys can still have your sweet drugs. And, uh, by the way, I'm staying the fuck away from the docks. I know what goes on at the docks. Yeah. I'm not going to step on your toes at the docks. Do your fucking, th- fucking thing. Just let me control my people. I have them in line. And the syndicate's like, I like the way that sounds. Yeah, they're Mama all Mia. They're all looking down at that chip basket. They're like, I want to get my salsa on. And anytime I'm at a Mexican restaurant, I want to get my salsa on. So like, yeah, let's just that sounds good. What is that called again? A pointer? Can I are those for sale? I want forty of those things. Because pointers are cool. So they agree. They're like, We have an we have an deal. So Tommy, he's on cloud fucking nine. He goes home, he's like, I gotta get my dick wet. Yeah. I got to end this day with some fucking. Oh, my God. He's feeling everything. The world is on his side. As uh, Oh, my God. He's Sisyphus, and he finally got that boulder over the hill. Great metaphor. Thank you. And so he's in bed with Helen. Helen's, uh, she's kind of frigid right now. I don't know what's going on with her. She's just like. She, she likes to struggle. She doesn't like, you know, when you're on top. Is she, that it? That's got to be Not it. sexually. You're not sexually. About, I'm okay. talking about, yeah, okay. just in life in general. She does not like the struggle. Actually, because we learned from well, the scene. Wow, wow, wow. I'm pu- what? I don't know. It just sounds awful. It is awful. That's the point. It is awful. So, with his newfound power, Tommy comes into bed and he thinks he can give her the old two smooch and pooch. What the fuck's that? That's when you kiss somebody twice and then fuck them. Pooch? I, look, it just rhymes. I didn't make it up. I'm okay. sorry. I don't like the terminology either. So, yeah, he's like, hey, can you give me that blowjob you've been promising Wait, me you know weeks? what it worked out better is two smooch and cooch. But I said, yeah, I said, yeah, I said yeah, pooch, yeah, which yeah. I, I tried. Yeah, you suck. So <laughs> he's like, hey, you going to give me that blowjob you promised me when we started dating? And she's like, uh, no, I'm not. My mouth is feeling very dry right now. And he's like, I, I, I'm, I'm a griff guy. <laughs> What? Give it to me. Give me that cat that cat fucking blowjob. Girl, I've just been on the Sahara Desert, and there's nothing I want more than a dry blowjob. Have you seen these nipples? They're larger than ever. <laughs> I think this is where I noticed his nipples, because I was just yeah. like, man, what's going on with that shit? Right, okay. And she's like, hang in heaven. He's like, bitch, I'm, I'm Black Caesar. I'm a king of... I'm, I'm fucking the king of the world. King Kong ain't got shit on me. Isn't that some line from some Denzel movie? Yeah, that's a Denzel movie. And, of course, he hits, uh, hits her with, I'm being casted in a FanDuel commercial as we speak. And he thinks that gives him uh, the right to rape her, and he does. But Corey, I mean, are they married? I don't even know if they're married. No, they're not married. Then See, you can't do it. Look. I'm talking like in the 60s. Yeah, in it the was 60s. Ex- it was acceptable. You could rape your wife. In the f- People wouldn't care. Oh, in the 60s it was still acceptable? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wait, girlfriend or wife? Wife. Okay. Girlfriend, no. Girlfriend, no. 50s. You owned your... When you didn't marry a woman, you owned her in the 60s. In the 50s, it was if a girl made eye contact with her, eye contact with you, she was your property. In the 60s, no, she had a smile, too. Oh, it, she, it was a smile. And eye contact. Okay, so you yeah. get the eyes, you get the smile... You're basically asking. That's an invitation, right? Yeah. 
And of course, you know, you can't take it to court and, and deny that because the man ru- wins every time. Right. Next day, our boy Rufus, he's out preaching. He's just faith healing people. He's healing mama. Mama is distraught over what her boy has become. Right. And I, this is weird. I For a second, because he called her mama. So I was like, is Rufus Tommy's brother that we don't know about? What the fuck's going on? No, he's not. He's just a friend. Likes calling black women mama. So after he has blessed her and everything, she just kind of fades back into the crowd. And we get a new character, character, fading into the crowd. And a man who looks very established. Yes, he's like, young man, do you know a Tommy Gibbs? He's like, who's asking? I'm his daddy. Well, Tommy's in his car, but he's got to go. I don't know. What should we do about this? But yeah, they're like, all right, well, shit. Go to the car. So Rufus takes him to the car, gets right. in, and meets his son who hasn't seen in thir- 30 years. Something like that. It seems since he was a little kid. Right? This, sounds, this, would be, this is like my dad right here. Make a success. And it's like, hey, son, I want to re- have a relationship with you That's now. right. Total douchebag move by dad. I totally relate to Tom. I sympathize with him because he's just like, oh, okay. You have, I haven't seen you in 30 fucking years, and now we're best friends now? Well, I, I just want to see my son. So, I mean, I know you just put it out there. Everyone's thinking about it because they see Matthew Stafford getting into the Super Bowl, and they're like, well, he went from Detroit to L.A. Super Bowl. Why doesn't Golden Globus go from Detroit to L.A. and the Super Bowl podcast? Well, we don't want to do it, everybody. We're, we're just thrilled about this. Murray I, doesn't want the success because he doesn't want to talk to his dad. I don't love L.A. And also, he doesn't love L.A. So he's like, why don't we go on a trip down memory lane, Dad? Driver, take us to this place. So we get we drive to this like fucking bombed out war torn area of New York. Yeah, really. It does look like it's been bombed. It looks like uh, you know, I whatever president you hate the most came in and droned it. It doesn't matter. We've all the presidents have drone killed people. So they drone bombed this place. Yeah. That's my favorite uh book, by the way, All the Presidents of Drones. Yeah. And uh, so he's like, remember this place, Dad? He's like, well, it looks familiar. Yeah, this is where I had to fucking grow up with Mama and our brother. Is it Joe his brother? Yeah, yeah I don't know. I think it's like a family friend. friend. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. But he's just like, my mom was fucking scrubbing floors and shit. Where the fuck were you, you fucking piece of shit? Dad's cowering. He's starting to tremble a little bit. Is this what your dad's move? Yeah. Does, does he like show the weakness to try to? Well, really no, it would be like that's in the past. We don't want to oh. talk about the past. So Papa anymore. actually does show weakness. There's here. nothing we can change about the past. So we need to forget about it. Oh, okay. We need to live in the present. And he's like, "I'll give you a present, motherfucker." Pulls out his Mauser, puts it to his dad's face. Where the fuck were you, man? I was in the army, boy. Yeah. There's a lot of weird time shifts. I don't know what's going on. I, I can't figure Because he's out. just like, he was in World War II. I was a cook. I was the damn best cook. I mean, I invented the Black Caesar. Oh, White wait. man stole it from me. This guy, Vinnie Barbarino, who I was fucking cooking with. Holy. Yeah. Lee. I had this idea, Mexican-Italian. And this my buddy Vinnie says, that sounds like a great idea. And then he went, came back to America and stole it. You're blowing my fucking mm. mind here. Papa Gibbs. Papa Gibbs invented the Black Caesar. That's that makes more sense about the black, right? And the Caesar, right? Holy shit! You I don't. I, but Vinny added the mayo because no black man's gonna eat mayo. <laughs> but you know, so yes. Yeah, so, so Bob is like, and he's like, 
We were fucking broke as shit. And this is this is where like I, I hate the fucking dad character because he's even douchier later on. But the dad is like, we weren't married, so I couldn't send the checks that I got from the army because you know you know hands tied, hands tied. Okay, I I was with him for a minute there when he was saying we weren't married because I could understand how the U.S. government would fuck over a person of color. That sounds very familiar till de- you know even today. But when you said the hands tied part, yeah, that's you know what they say when uh, black people join the cops and then put cops first, blue before black. He was clearly doing that, and he's just he's just like he's, his dad is so pathetic. Tommy's like you're not even worth a bullet, you piece of shit. I'm gonna let you live, but I never want to see your ass ever again. So now the cracks are starting to show. Like this, the rise was. I, we didn't even get to enjoy that fucking rise, dude. Yeah, really. This movie is like smooth like butter. It's like when you're applying peck jelly and you're just feeling it for the first time, and you're just like, oh my god, I got to put that Boston song on. Feels like the first time, and you're just rubbing it all over. It, I thought it was a foreigner song. You're right; it is foreigner. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, either way. So the first forty minutes of this movie, you're just applying, and you're just like loving it, and 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 then it hits that moment with Helen. You're like. Oh, that was really weird. I don't like this. Yeah. This makes me very uncomfortable. This character I liked is now a horrible human being. Right. Because of the horrible things he had to do to get where he is. And good Larry Cohen, chef's kiss, perfect job, because now we're going on the last half descent. Tommy's at in his, his uh, office. He's got his feet up on the desk. He's just like, buy, sell, trade, NFT. He's just like, he's just in, he's a master of his domain. And he hangs up. He's like, Helen... I just made the most perfect phone call. He's got those perfect fucking Fred Williamson, like, cigarello things that he yeah. smokes. Like the, yeah, yeah, the swishel sweets and all, all that shit. And he's like, I'm sorry about that rape thing earlier. I got a present for you. Yeah. And she just fucking th- throws, she, she pulls the Willie Dynamite mom move and just throws it away. She's like, ah, fuck this. And he's like, what's going on? What's, must be a hard time of the month or something. He's like oblivious. He's yeah. totally forgot the fact he just raped her the other day. Come on, how? It's like, get over it. It's been a day. You forcefully fuck your old girlfriend. I'm pretty sure this is 1960s America, and she's my property. So he takes another hit of his little cigar there, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to go get some sweet action. So he goes to the club. It's him and Joe, and they're doing a little business. He's just like, look, Joe, I'm calling in my boys from Detroit. I got some muscle from Detroit because... Shit's going to get pretty hectic right now. He needs the chic. We're making the next fucking move. We're going to we're getting rid of the, the fucking syndicate next. Yeah. And he's like, "But and I'm worried about Helen. Can you take her to LA, take care of her, keep her out of like, you know, trouble?" It's going to get hairy. And Joe's like, "I can do that for you, brother. Let's just do this." The next day, Mama's dead. <laughs> I'm glad you knew what I Yeah. I will never f- hold my hand. Hold on. For everyone to know why you're doing this, <laughs> let me just go ahead and pipe a little bit of that in there. This is one of the greatest what-the-fuck moments I've ever come across in a movie. Mama's dead. Never again will she hold my hand. Never again do you call 
So, were we supposed to know that mom died? We are. We by the song, yes, exactly. James Brown filled us in because I was dead. I was so tuned out when I was doing notes for the movie. I was like, what the fuck is even happening? Why is mom suddenly dead? He's, she died of broken heart. She couldn't handle the fact that Rufus her son... gave her that thing, and then she went onto the crowd and died on the streets. That's oh. sad. That's really oh. sad. Yeah. And so he's at the cemetery. Nobody's there but him and Rufus. Yep. And then he's, he's, as he leaves... He leaves a kiss from a rose and drops it on her. Yeah. Yep. Guess who shows up? Dad. Hey, I hear you're looking for a new parent. And he's just like, you fucking piece of shit. I I guess this really played into your heartstrings, too, because he showed up with the baseball glove and, uh, you know, baseball. You're a basketball guy. He's like, son, I thought we could play some catch. He's like, what the fuck? First, I'm 40 years old. Yeah. And my mama's dead. You need yeah. to hear James Brown just say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. James Brown is there, by uh, the way. Elton John style with a piano. And he's just like, well. I gotta, Murray, I got to point out, Warner Brothers is trying to hit me up. They want to get you and your dad back together in a biopic type of situation where I train your dad how to be a better dad. How are you, how are you going to train him about being a dad? Because I know you better. So that's the thing. I'm, Sad thing is, people, he does know me. I, I miss an end. So, all right, enough about my tragic backstory. <laughs> so, dad, this is where I wanted. I was. I wish he'd killed his dad right now because he he's feeling lonely now because Helen is distant because he, well, he did rape her, but she's distant. <laughs> And like and in L.A. Yes. And his boys are kind of like, you know, like nobody showed up to his mom's funeral. He didn't invite anybody. But because that's his dad pulled some shit. Where are your friends at? He's like, I didn't invite anybody. This is some personal shit for me. And then he's where, just, he asked, where's Helen? He right. even knew about Helen somehow. Right. He barely knows his son. He knows about <laughs> Helen. That's how shallow Tommy's life is. Right. He may be on top, but it's weak. But he's feeling vulnerable. He's lost his the most important woman in his life. So he wants to reach out to his dad. He reaches out. Yeah. Dad, pops, pops, I got some Vinnies to go back at home. And you know... It's really heavy on the stomach. You can't eat two sandwiches in one night. I got a couch. I got three bathrooms with ventilators. And then dad's like, well, I, I travel a lot. He's like doing the whole like, hitting, you know, I don't want to really, you know, you came into my life. It's like that push, pull, push, pull thing. It is. It really is. He's just like, no, I got things to do, son. I'm sorry. And then he just fucks off. Fucks right off. Daddy, Fuck. where are you going? All right, so Tommy returns home, dejected. His mama de- just, mama's dead. Right, He's, she'll never hold his hand. And by home, I want to just remind everybody that this was the place he bought off Coleman from underneath yes. them. That's his home. Yeah. So he returns home, and there's Coleman's wife waiting for him. Right. They're like sprawled out in a negligee, just tits everywhere. She's like, I finally learned how to wear a bra. She's done with training <laughs> undergarments, Murray. She has some big jugs. So There's a lot of work. <laughs> I don't know how she was being restrained yeah. by that training undergarment yeah. for so long. And he's like, get the fuck out. And she's like, I want my clothes back. She's totally like, you can see right through this broad. And she's like, well, I got some news for you, motherfucker. I hear you're late. Everybody knows what the Helen's doing, but fucking her husband. How does he not know? And he's like, she's fucking your boy Joe. Over in L.A., 
hitting it with the Joe. She don't even get low. She rapped a little bit. So Tommy's like, fuck, I guess I got to go to L.A. and check out, see what's going on. So he shows up unexpectedly, walks in the door. Helen shows up wearing her Afro wig because he gets pulled off later. <laughs> and then Joe shows up with the tiniest Jack Tripper like robe on. His fucking balls are hanging out the bottom. Look, where do I get one of these? I need one of these. Go back to the 70s because I, that's I'm what people go to, were wearing. Okay, tonight I'm going to Super. eBay and I'm going to have Murray help me find one. And he, I think he was wearing actually Willie Dynamite's rope that he had over his jumpsuit. Do you want me to buy you a matching one? No, it's okay. Do I, Oh, you don't want it to be matching. You just want one. But as long as it, is it silk, I'd want one. <laughs> okay, we're, I'm buying you a silk. Yeah, you can have a terry cloth one like Jack Tripper wore. So <laughs> he's like, he puts two and two together. Because Joe's like, it ain't what you think. He's wearing it's a fucking tiny robe. Yeah. And he grabs fucking Joe with his scrawny ass by his neck, throws him down the stairs. Joe takes the worst fall down the stairs I've ever seen. <laughs> like, this will look like the most comfortable fall down a stair I've ever seen. I've well, fallen. I, I, think the stairs, down, I think the stairs were carpeted. They so. were. Yeah. Have you fallen down, yeah, like, I've, I've a fallen. nice hard wood staircase? Yeah, we had the most treacherous fucking uh, uh, basement steps at my grandma. My grandma actually fell down the steps, fucking cracked your skull. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the kind of staircases we're talking about. The kind that Joe fell down were like a bounce house staircase. <laughs> they were very safe. Like, even my youngest nephew bounced his head off a staircase. And in Michigan, we make everything out of steel. Like, the same shit we cook our pizzas in. So his face split the fuck open. So he's got a gnarly he's fucking the scar mask. now. Yeah. He but, did. But that's the thing. Look like a little Tommy agrees with you because he's like... It's too bad you're such a fucking bitch, Joe, because you could have fucking ruled the world with your brains. Right. But you're a fucking, you're just crying. You just you just landed, you landed in a beanbag bean chair that was at the bottom of the steps. Right. And you're he, crying. He's like, I didn't mind bringing my girl here because I didn't think you had the testosterone to even get your dick hard. Look, man, pussy should make your dick hard, <laughs> but it's been making your brain bigger. Like so they, He just starts pummeling the shit out of Joe. Helen gets in the way. He rips her Afro wig off, slaps her some more. This scene is getting really ugly. And I really like how it got even uglier because... You like how it got uglier? Well, no, Murray. Oh, just for the appreciation of the scene here, of it just being so ugly with, like, Fred coming down so hard. Tommy, excuse me, coming down so hard and everything. And and, and he's he's abusing these people now. The closest people to him, he's abusing. Right, is he abusing them or are they abusing him? Because he, he, they're both wrong. Everybody's wrong, maybe. Let's go with that. They weren't adults enough to tell him, like, hey, look, by the way, we're fucking. We don't like you anymore. You're not invited. But I, I like it because as it's hitting, like, its fucking peak of just, like, depression and sadness and just, like, anguish and everything, even fucking Helen's hair falls off. And that just adds to, like, this, like, what the fuck is this scene? I, it hurt. It felt it. Well, it hurt Tommy because uh, Joe... Blast him with a you white African American you. Yeah, you I didn't Oreo. know that was a thing. But the way Fred Williamson sold it, like nothing I've ever seen in AEW, he actually sold it. Right, he's like, you're a lap dog to the fucking Italians. Fuck you. I like that he even did a little and pinky it, thing, yeah, and that. it hit Tommy where it hurts, and he leaves. So now, where were where our villains are not one of the good ones been up to? Coleman and McKinney. Well, they're planning on taking Tommy out. Yeah, this is interesting because I feel like there was a time jump here. Who's plan- it gets 
that's why it makes me laugh that there's like to the date because it's so all over the place time wise. Right. We're back into where we were for so long. We were we had some movies that were just tight. They were telling us day by day. That fucking Seagal movie was like minute by minute. They minute were telling by us. minute. This one jumps around. I could never remember a Seagal movie because they're the most generic names. Cock, rock, and ready and shoot and Out die. Out for a kill. Out for a kill. That was it. Yeah. So, yeah, McKinney and Coleman are planning to take out our boy Tommy. They're playing a nice pool game. It's just got that one light. It's a beautifully shot scene. John DeHart might have been here for this one, too. And they're talking with a third guy we've never seen before. So Coleman, McKinney, and third guy. And they're just like, we're going to remember get him. the third guy. Yeah, there was a third guy there, and they're just like, we're going to get him. And they're like, we're going to take out his people first, and then we're going to get him. So, again, we don't know the timeline this takes place. This might have been a montage. They yeah. didn't play the music correctly. It was, yeah, it was a montage. I think it, yeah, exactly. I think it was. They didn't do, like, a nice song to kind of give us, like, that, like, this is happening at once. Right. So we just see all his, his boys getting taken out. The few loyal people left that Tommy has in his life. One guy shows up at Vinny's to get, a, you know, to, uh, a fucking uh, pastrami with nacho to go. He gets shot. Oh, yeah. There's another guy who, who actually was into the mayo, and he's getting it slathered all over his face, and then he opens his eyes, and you just have that, you know, black man opening his He's covered in mayo. I, I he's in white face. Yeah. It was in white face. He's I didn't in mayo want, face is what you really I, call he, it. I didn't want face. to make it sound so distasteful. But he gets shot in the face. So now he's wearing a crimson mask. <laughs> This is where we know that the that McKinney's such a cruel fucker that he's just fucking with Tommy because there's a scene where he, Tommy and one of his bodyguards is walking out of like a club. His bodyguard gets shot and they don't even hit Tommy. They want Tommy to live. No shit. So he can be tortured. I missed this. that one. Yeah. Oh man. All right. And now we're really gonna play up the mind games. You thought that was an eleven? No. This is where we turn it up to eleven. Yeah, they're really they're doing the long fucking storytelling here because yeah. McKinney and Coleman. Yeah, because 20, years later, at least at least like I think three years later, it had to be it had to be a few years. It had to be at least eight months. Yeah. Wait, is it eight? No, because there's two kids. Nine months, first of all. Okay, there's <laughs> Jesus two Christ. kids. There's like a toddler and there's a newborn baby. So I'm, I'm gonna say three years. Is that okay? Yeah, no, I'm going. You got like mad scientist hair going, dude. On right I just now. can't believe I couldn't remember. I I have three niece and nephew. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember how long babies uh, do the incubation yeah. thing or whatever it's Just called. Eight. Just eight. McKinney is tracked down. Helen, she's living in L.A. with Joe. I'm guessing. I don't know where the fuck they are. Maybe they, you know, they, I guess they're in New York. No, they're in uh, they're in L.A. You were right. Okay, they're in L.A. McKinney creepy scene he grabs the fucking toddler from her starts caressing this child yeah no if you've seen face off you know what he's doing here he's waterfalling the baby because <laughs> the baby's crying and he's trying to calm the baby i think he was also knowing understanding because mckinney looks like a guy who reads popular science so i think he read like the early stages of the face off technology and he was just like if i can only have a black baby's face okay and like mckinney's like i'd hate to see something happen to this sweet little baby you know anything about those ledgers that your Tommy has? She's like, I've, I, yeah, I know where they're at. Yeah. Well, you know, he, he, this this child, this sweet child, could grow up to be a beautiful young woman if you just give me those ledgers. Or maybe I just found crack in her diaper, and she has to go to jail as an adult for the rest of her life. And then he goes for the newborn baby. She's like, All right, I'll do whatever you want. And he's like, Good, get me those ledgers. That's all. That's all it takes, Murray. All you got to do. 
So Helen arrives at Tommy's. They haven't seen each other in at least 18 months. Cause that's two Baysbees right there. Excuse me? Baysbees? Baysbees. Okay. Baysbees. Bezos babies. So what we're what we're getting at here is that Helen has had the fucking push put on her, yeah. and she's gonna be working for McKinney now. So immediately she goes over to Tommy's house, gets the first flight out there, and she's, I mean, she's ready for love. What was that song? I'm ready for love. Do do do. Bow, bow. I don't know. Is that Sugarloaf song? <laughs> I don't know. No, it's not Sugarloaf. I don't know. Come on. I think it's Bad Company. I don't know. You're probably fucking the song up. I probably, I probably do know what you're talking yeah. about, but you're getting the song wrong. I think wrong. it's, I'm ready for love. Anyway, she is ready for love because she knows the way through a man's heart is through his dick. So we have the longest John DeHart. And, and, it, and it makes sense. I mean, people, get out right now. Get your ice cubes out. Start rubbing those nipples. Because this scene goes so long, and then and, and then we just hear the sweet, sweet John DeHart music playing in the background. Sounds good to me. When did I ever let you slip away? Start over, you fool. It's easy to do, don't lay it an ending, get a hold of you. Walk towards the future, get out of the past, and remember the good things in life, you know they sometimes last. Oh, Murray. That's exactly what everyone's doing right now. Oh. Everyone's ejaculated from my oh. hearing that song. Oh, yeah. And so did Tommy. It's because Tommy's out. He's he's like, oh, uh, I'm sorry. On, on behalf of the podcast, I apologize for what we just did. We don't know where you're at. We assume that everyone listens in their bed, like most people do. Some of you may have been on your way or working, and we just did that to uh, you. Sorry, yeah, sorry about the mayo. Sorry. Hold. All I can say is hold the mayo for this. <laughs> I, I might you. be. I know I, I need you. a Velcro for that. One. I hate you. But so anyway, so while he's out, he's wasted. She starts. She goes looking for those keys that safety deposit box for the ledgers, and she gets them. And just as she gets them, but baby, what are you gonna get up? And he's like, he's like, don't worry, baby, just lay back down. I'm just checking the time. I'm just checking the time. And it just so happened that there's a watch next to these keys that she yes. was taking a sketch of. <laughs> I don't know. I thought she just grabbed the keys. She's sketching. No, them? she was like rubbing something over it. Oh, she was okay. getting an imprint of the key. Oh, okay. But only one side. Mm. So I don't know how good that would be. I don't know, but she's just like, look, I got to leave. Joe's going to get suspicious. So he's like, all right, you do that. She walks out. Goes to. Uh, this is also showing another side of Tommy, though, because you think Tommy would just be like, fuck Joe. You're my woman, you know? He was like, yeah, I wouldn't want Joe to find out. So he's very different now. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I understand that. So she leaves. Coleman, now he's like, all right, now that we got the ledgers, let's kill this fucking Tommy guy. We've, we've toyed with him enough. So he puts out the hit on Tommy. Meanwhile, Tommy, thinking everything's going smashingly with Helen. Right. He's been nosediving like we've been talking about. Right. Helen comes back to his life. He's thinking, you know what? Everything's S- going back up. Starting over, Murray. Of course, that's why why he put it on. He thought his right. life was starting over. 
for right. mermaids. Perfect. So Chef's he goes. Kiss, beautiful. He goes to Tiffany's because that's where you know women and a lot of money. You know, wants to impress her. Gets a nice little uh, trinket. We don't know. We know nobody. He. We never get to see the gifts that he gives people. He gave Helen that gift in a box. She didn't want it. Yep. He gave fucking Cardoza. Cardoza gift. Didn't know what it was. He's getting another gift. We don't know what it was. I can tell you what it was. After a breakup, after several years, after she's had two babies, there's only one thing you can get a woman. Charm bracelet? Yep. Where, though? Where? Oh, at, uh, I don't know. Zales? No, 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 no. No, <laughs> Tiffany's. Okay. I don't But where, 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 where is she going to wear it? On her ankle? That's right, because oh. she he is trying to say you're mine. Remember? Because oh. it's harkening into the old ball and chain phase. He's mm. trying to put a... Uh, like ornament chain on her ankle to say your mind. He probably even had a little thing. What are the charms? What are the charm? Well, there's a there's a black ball. Okay. It's probably like onyx oh, or onyx or you know like a nice like you know rock or something. That's mm-hmm. not that fancy. And then there's probably you know something like a birthstone. You got to get the birthstone. <laughs> well, you're right because you got to leave room so you don't have to get a new gift. Like every like birthday or holiday, you get in the one charm. Exactly, that's the perfect gift, exactly. guys. So cheap. Yeah. Tommy's walking out. He's in We're, traffic. This is releasing before uh, Valentine's Day, so you're <laughs> you know, you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> exactly. You're sure to get the ice on the nipples tonight <laughs> if you're listening to this. Tommy's walking on. He decides he's oh his car like disappears. Like somebody just hauls his car away. Yeah. So he's got to walk. Okay. He's like I'll I'll take the subway. I'm a, I'm still humble. Again, we're in a walkable city here. Right. So of course he's just like I'll hit the streets then, and he's strutting. See, we can't strut where we are because there's no streets for strutting. Murray's got the best strut. I've seen it. Thank you. Yeah. So he's grabbed by somebody. Yeah, we get, like, some ominous shots of, like, a, a cop in uniform and then another guy in a suit with sunglasses. Big Bubba-looking motherfucker. Again, flashing back to the beginning of the movie kind of deal. This whole scene is cut guerrilla style. Like, they're just, they're just on the streets in New York. They're not, like, blocking off areas with extras. So the people you see are people that are going about their fucking business. Yes. That, that makes the shot even better. Right. You get some real good reactions. Because he gets shot by a cop. Was it shot? I thought he got stabbed. I thought he got shot. I thought he got stabbed. I don't know. Well, I thought it was quiet. Good. So that's why I thought it was a, a stabbing. But it was a situation when they were crossing the street in front of the cars, you know, waiting for the light to turn and everything. And I thought one of the guys grabbed him, pulled him up. So is either a shot or a stab. I don't know because he no-sells no it for the rest of the movie. He no-sells For this scene, he sells it. Yeah. And then he's fine for he, the rest of the movie. He stumbles around a little bit. No one else seemed to really know. Like, if it was a gunshot, I imagine everyone would have freaked out and yelled. But instead, everyone's just kind of like, what the fuck's going on with this guy? He just got drunk suddenly or something. So he dropped his Tiffany's gift, the ankle bracelet that we talked about with the birthstone and, of course, the ball and chain. But he makes sure to pick it up. He he's picked like, it he's up. like, I spent five minutes picking out those And charms. he got it perfectly wrapped, too. Right. And that cost an- another. you got to have that beautiful blue box. That's the, you know, it's Tiffany. Yeah, exactly. So that was at least yeah. another $25. Right. Starts stumbling away. We get, like, calls like, Make sure we got an ambulance with cops in there. They're gonna, we're going to get them. But he's like... He's, Calls into McKinney. Yeah. Because McKinney is trying to, like, navigate this whole fucking situation. And as he's getting away, he's like, what the fuck are you doing? You got to get on him. Because they thought he was going to stay down. They were going to get the ambulance there with cops in there. And they were going to fucking deep six him, let's just say. He stumbles away, jumps into a cab. 
just happens to be a cab there in the nick of time. And he's like, here's 500 fucking dollars. Let's get the fuck out of here. So the guy slowly takes off. Very the slowest chase I've ever seen because these guys are actually jogging behind them and keeping up with this cab. It, yeah. is, it is New York traffic. So yeah, it is that. New York traffic. A lot of foot traffic, too. And we, the the guys are like leaping on the car. The guy slams on the brakes. Yeah, they they did some really weird, horrible shots here. samurai cop level um, uh, dialogue here. It's totally like you shoot. shoot. I was shoot waiting him. for that because it was like shoot, shoot, him. shoot. Put your foot on the gas. Turn left, please. Not Fred Williamson at all. I, I this is one. He the, the one scene. He's like drive on the because there's a garbage truck block in the street. It's like drive on the sidewalk. I, I would love it if that was guerrilla style. Like, they just said, fuck it. We're just going to drive that on the sidewalk. That would have been amazing. Yeah. Because they do drive on the sidewalk. Somehow the cops keep up. I don't know how because they get out of the way. I guess. I, they must have had a lot of crews working or something. They also have a lot of people on the street and street clothes and everything. I don't remember how the cab runs into the situation where it can't go any further. So uh, Tommy hops out. Hops out. And now he's back on foot. The cops at, there, There's cops waiting for him there, like I said, in street clothes. Tommy actually managed to a keto flip one of them onto the hood of the car or something and keeps making his getaway. Yeah. And that, that that's where I remember it getting to. Does he go up to a rooftop or something like Willie Dynamite style? No, somehow he gets the drop on what he like he gets behind one of the cops that's following him and like strangles him with a shoestring or something. I don't he's he's got like the strangle okay. line. So he takes out like two cops and then we just kinda slowly fade to black and come back too. And now we're in the backstage of a nice it's Rufus. It's a church, I think. It's guessing, a church. It's supposed Rufus to be some kind of church. He's getting yeah. ready to do a sermon. He's got a lady there massaging his shoulders. He's making sure his hair looks great and all that good shit. Tommy stumbles in, bleeding and shit, and he's just like, "Look, man, I need your help." And then all of a sudden, Rufus just turns on him. He's like, "I he he's actually now starting to believe the shit he 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 was like you know staying before." Apparently, he's blending fiction and reality. Well, he just believes in the good book now. First, he was a scam artist to begin with. Yeah. And now he just, he actually, one day he was like bored and he started reading the Bible. It's like, this is pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good shit. And now he believes it. And he's like, yeah. I can't be a part of your shit anymore, Tommy. He's got what he wanted. He he had his peak. You know, he didn't have to wait for Helen to come back. He found it. And it's in his congregation. So Tommy does what any sane man does and slaps Rufus a couple times. Yeah. And this is, fuck you, and leaves. So now Tommy gets, he finds a, uh, a phone, phone booth. Yeah. Calls up Joe. He's like, Joe, you're my only friend I got left, even though you're fucking my wife. Girlfriend. Significant other. Who knows? They're married now, Joe and his girlfriend. And he's like, you got to fucking help me. And Joe's like, he, he he's like, you know what? You told me. You gave me that lesson that put me where I am in life. You told me go educate and pussificate. And by that, I and don't lubricate. mean... lubricate. Yeah, and lubricate, definitely. Yes. Yeah. And he did all three. He doesn't three. believe the Griff style of sex. He's like, plenty of lube. So he did all three. Yeah. And he's living his best life now. And, and he's, no, he said, educate and ejaculate. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Murray. There you go. We, we, went, we went a long way for that joke. We, went we landed it. A long way for that joke. Perfect. Time. And he's like, all right, I will help you. Meet me at Coleman's office. Because I guess they're assuming the ledgers are going to be there. I don't know if he even knows the led, you know, about the ledgers. I don't know what. Well, he just knows that the ledgers is what he needs to be the release valve to the pressure that's being put on him. So he's like, okay. okay. Helen hears it. Cause, cause Hel- first of all, he called before, and Helen picked up. 
and she's like, fuck that, hung up on him. And then Joe picked up. So she knows that that was, that was uh, Tommy. Yeah. She's like, don't, don't, no, fuck. Yeah, fuck he was suddenly go. like, I got to go over to New York. And she's like, no, please don't go. And she's got the two kids screaming and crying. They're in a one-bedroom apartment. They're all gathered together and everything. She's like, oh, no, please don't go. But he's like, I wouldn't have this life if it weren't for Tommy. I got to go. And then there, there's a scene we didn't put in the notes where we see we see Coleman in his office, and he's had a gunshot in his head. And it was McKinney standing over him. So McKinney, he's ready, he's, he's ready to cut all his ties and just take over for himself. We know we're going for another Willie Dynamite ending when we see that. Right. So we cut to Joe finally arrives at Coleman's, and he gets in the elevator, and fucking McKinney's waiting for him. Yep. McKinney puts a gun in his face. And he learns uh, Helen sold him out. She's the reason that he's uh, that Tommy is getting so much pressure put on him right now. They know about the ledgers. They know how to find it. They know all this because of Helen. And then that insult to injury just shoots Joe in the head. Yeah, doesn't even give him a chance. Just kills him right there. That's Tommy. He stumbles into uh, the office of Coleman. He already know he like he figures it out. He smells it in the air. He's like, I gotta approach this situation very cautiously. So, is he in Coleman's office? He's in some library somewhere. It was just like, this is a pretty big building. They haven't really given us the lay of the land here. So, he's wandering through. He finds, like, a bookcase. He pulls out, and apparently he's been hiding a Mauser in here. <laughs> yeah. Like, he... Is it the same Mauser, or is there a different know. Mauser? Like, I think he's got them all. That's his, it's his trademark. He's got them everywhere. I like it. That's a good trademark. So, he's got a gun, and he's walking up to Coleman's office... But McKinney's waiting for him and gets the drop on him. I don't even remember what happened with the gun here. Or from McKinney, like he was shocked maybe when he saw that Coleman was dead. I don't know. But he, yeah, somehow McKinney gets the jump on him and he's got the edge and gets the gun away from him. Has a gun for himself and so he's he's just like, oh, I see we're back in the old situation here. And so here's the loop around I see with the very first scene. As I think the money was put down to be like, you got too big too soon. And so we're just squeezing you out. So I think that's what happened with the first guy that Joe or Tommy helped get killed, the shine box guy. As I think he got too big before his time. He didn't have enough time to establish and really get his tentacles in. And neither did Tommy because he rose to the top really quickly and it all faded away from really quickly. So I think that's what this that was the foreshadowing there. Well, we learn that McKinney is a sadistic fuck because he's thinking the same way you are. And he's always, hey, remember the shine box here? Is, is, was, was he keeping this? Was, was, was this Tommy's old shine box? He's, just, I'm going to fuck with this guy 30 years from now. I don't know, but he pulls out a shine box. He's like, hey, boy, my shoes are all scuffed. Why don't you shine them up? He's just, just rubbing it in. So we've seen Tommy. He's falling hard. We barely got to see him in the second half here, and every time he's just like a mess of a human. So he goes over, and he's getting out all of it. Like, you see him. He turns into a baby boy again. He's baby boy Tommy. He's getting out the, you know, the fucking the polish and all that, and he's getting ready. He's getting the rag out, and he's... Well, I think he's trying to lull McKinney into a false sense of security. Well, no, he is, Murray, but, you know, 
the metaphors, uh, well, you know, the we, symbolism. We, he's like, I'll shine them up really good for you. He's like trying to appear vulnerable. He somehow had one of those newsboy caps on, too. I don't even know where you that came from. You can't shine a shoe without a newsboy You cap, just can't. Which is weird because you think it'd be a newspaper, uh, paper route boy. Would be, right. I, I don't no, know. I don't you know. think there would have been like a shoe shine hat. That's, what, that's the thing. That's what paper boys wear. I don't, you know, it's a weird thing. I, I can't figure it out. Yeah. And so and McKinney's getting like, he's like, I broke this motherfucker. That's what he thinks. He's just shining that shoe harder and harder. And again, he's trying to play into some sexual tension here because this is how McKinney gets off. We know this. He gets off on this. We saw him get off on it earlier. So we shine the shoe faster and fast. Oh, master, is that better? Master, master. And McKinney's really getting into it. And so he's rearing his head back and Tommy sees his moment and he seizes it. Black Caesar style. Yeah. That was that was a thing. So he rips the gun out of his hand. He fucking, like, spears him into a wall over a Are desk. Are you saying he is a black Caesar? Thanks for joining the conversation. Yeah, but I, like I said, once again, like last week, it's all about the timing. Yeah, it's that was a perfect timing. I just rung your bell. <laughs> see, that's, that's, see now that's funnier, too. <laughs> So he gets the jump on McKinney, grabs that shine box, and starts pummeling the fuck out of this dude. Bash him. The guys. And now you see the true McKinney's true side. He starts crying and shit. He's yelling out, do it, you N-word. Do it. Kill me. Because he knows all is lost. <coughs> yeah, he doesn't want to be embarrassed to know he got beat up by someone he feels is inferior to him. And he's like, yeah, you think I'm an African-American. Who's the African-American now? Put some of this fucking shoe polish on your face, motherfucker. He goes full Al Jolson on him. Yeah. And he's like doing the big red lips. He's like, and he's, sing Mammy for me. He's like, Mammy. He's like totally bitching out. We see the the true fucking McKinney now. When he doesn't have a gun on somebody. He's a right. total fucking bitch. And now it's tables have turned. He's become the cop because now he's getting off on another person's misery that he completely hates. It's like... What was his relationship to Helen? Because he, he was abusing her, and now he's abusing him, and he's really enjoying it. So there's a lot of psyche happening. Well, there's a lot. You're exactly right, because while, we, while he's doing this, we're getting flashbacks to him getting his ass kicked by McKinney as That's a child. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And then fucking, he killed him, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Well, yeah. he just fucking pummeled him so hard. Oh, I thought he, like, shot him or something. No, he just fucking pummeled the shit out of him. Okay. So now he grabs those ledgers. He starts stumbling. He has nobody now. Joe's dead. The last guy you could trust. Well, yeah. As he was trying to get away, he gets into the elevator where Joe was dead. And he sees Joe there. And he's like, Joe, can you hit the ground floor for me? <laughs> oh, you're dead. So he picks up well, his he, hand. and He hit the ground. But... He, he did. <laughs> and so he's nowhere else to go but where he grew up. So he somehow he goes, he stumbles into a subway. Takes a trip down back to his old place where he grew up, the tenement, the, the projects. And it's this bombed out, fucked up looking as fuck. He's stumbling around. And then we see the next generation. 80s. New York Ninja Gang busts out. Yeah, they had the jock straps on. They had the weird masks and everything. And yeah. we just see the, the, we just, every generation fucking consumes the previous generation that's right and even even fucking tommy even says 
fucking millennials right before they start pummeling the That's shit right. out of them. Yeah, it's incredible. And they go, you boomer piece of shit. And they just beat the fuck out. And we see these most important books in the world, these legends, they're just trash now. They just see him blowing away in the wind. Kids take his watch. They take all his shit. Straws in the wind. Is it all ending? It's beautiful. It's poetry. It's like it's like the Kansas song, Ledgers in the Wind. Yeah, Ledgers in the Wind. This is incredible. This movie, good. 90 minutes, perfect. I'm assuming, unlike this episode, I'm assuming that he was supposed to die here, but because of the success of the movie, we get the sequel, Hell Up in Harlem. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm excited. Great Are we ever going to do that movie, do you think? Well, I guess we could do it next year. Okay. I'm excited. Because next week, we're going to do... I'm going to say this is probably my favorite black exploitation movie of all time. Greg. Wow. We're going to see the story of a cat named Goldie Ooh. who who gets addicted to heroin, kicks heroin, and comes back to claim what is his because he is the Mac. So we're going to do the Mac next week. Keep it warm. 